From the halls of assembly, you'll hear us scream and shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Everything I do, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hello. NCA Tournament Preparation Week Ward. Hi, Eric. I mean, this is it, man. We're dancing. This is, we're dancing. We're we're double dancing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Yes. I I got you. Um. Yeah. Look, we we got some really good seating here for our Hoosier teams. I mean, look, we're gonna get into the men's basketball team in a second here, but let's start with the women's team and before we get to the women's team let's make sure that we remind everybody that as always we are powered by i almost think Look, I don't know if this ever happened to you as a kid when you were a fan of the Colts growing up. I was a St. Louis Cardinal baseball fan. I don't know what I'm doing with my hands right now. I, <laughs> this is not a normal pose for me. So I don't know what's going on there. When I was a kid, the Cardinals had several really good years. 82, we won the World Series. 85, we went to the World Series. 87, we went to the World Series. Every year that the Cardinals had a World Series run, the team, what are you doing? I'm bringing up the women's bracket just to see the matches. The, they would come up with a song, like a popular song and then cut like a montage. It became like the team song. Got it. One year is the heat is on great on the street. That was one. One, one was a original song called I'm sold on St. Louis. I'm sold. No, not that one. Terrible. Terrible. (laughs) But this women's team, deserves their own song. They really, Straight No Chaser does the Community Car song. I think that when they win the championship, we should ask Straight No Chaser to compose a song for the women's team. I love that. I love that. Yeah, and I think that's inevitable. So, Steve, we know you're listening. Go ahead and start composing that song. All right, Community Cars. Huge part of the community at Bloomington in the Southern Indiana region. Uh a lot of people, this is a, a good time to be buying cars. We're getting into spring, summer, road trips. You want to make sure, first of all, also, if you just need a tune-up and you need to make sure that your car's working okay, take it into the shops over at Community Cars. They'll fix you up good. But if you want to buy a car via phone, via email, via going in and talking to a salesman, anything you want, they'll make it as easy as humanly possible for you. They'll take care of licensing and registration in all 50 states, including Alaska and Hawaii, international not happening you're out you're out but they're just i i was talking to evan this weekend we were both very excited for the games he's very excited to be able to go to indiana women's basketball tournament games yeah so communitycars.com friend of indiana friend of the program 
if you're going to spend your money on a car, spend it with people who care about the things you care about. That's community cars. Let's talk about being a number one seed. It's incredible. You know, I'm looking at it right now, and there we are, one. Next to Indiana, obviously you've got South Carolina, Stanford, and Virginia Tech. And, um, and I did not see where are we like the number number two one seed we're basically the second ranked team in the entire country at the end of the season and there's it's completely unprecedented and i think something we're gonna get used to i I don't know how you get used to something like this but i'm all for trying um it is just absolutely remarkable when you think about the evolution of the program over the last forever, but even just the evolution of the program since the moment Terry Morin took over and how low the program was coming off of having to replace a coach uh, mired in controversy and had to get rid of him in a weird way. And then Terry came in at a weird time right before the season was starting while she's with her team at an airport ready to go to a preseason tournament. Yeah. It it is just such a weird way that it started, but it was also perfect because Terry belongs in Indiana. We know her backstory. We know how much of a fan she was of Indiana and the cream and crimson. And these nine years Ward, to go from that to undoubtedly one of the premier not just teams, but programs in the country is astounding. It yeah, is it's, astounding. It's a great point because, you know, building the monster, it's been methodical. It's been steady. And as much as you can look at at other programs, uh, you know, you think more of like men's teams like, oh, come on to the scene. And they've got a couple of key players and um, they're real contenders for that moment in time. But the way each one of her teams has stood on the shoulders of the teams and players before. And this team is such a shining example of what it's all about, of even having Ally still on the staff, but then you have, you know, grace there, um, who, who goes back to before it was inevitable that we were going to be one of the best teams in the country that it's, it's so exciting to have gotten to this place where we are a premier, not just team, as you say, program, because Look, you have that, oh, hey, the 2002 Indiana team that went on the title run, it was so exciting and unexpected, but there's something so satisfying. And look, we we sat next to that gentleman who, what, in in Terry's second year, he bought season tickets? Yeah. And he's been watching it on the floor for eight years and, and being like, yes, this has been earned. This has been methodically, systematically earned. And we've got to feel great about our chances this year. And and some of that stuff that can even creep in on the men's side this year of like, okay, hey, we've got some great pieces, a couple great players. We've, we've won some great games. Maybe we'll get lucky and go on a little run here. But then what about next year? Like none of that sort of caveat uh, surrounds the women's team. It's all been good for a while. It keeps getting better. And now we can just sit here and be incredibly proud where it's at and excited about 
this tournament. And so go through go through the matchups for okay. us. So so first game, look, it's a 16 seed. So let's just smash them. And yeah. it's in Bloomington. So second round, what are we looking at here? Oklahoma State and Miami is the eight nine game. You and know what's interesting about Oklahoma State? What's that? Yarden Garzon's sister plays for that team. Oh, interesting. Now look, yes. I've watched both of those teams a lot. Yeah. A lot. What do you what's your breakdown? Um, I think we're better than both of them and we'll beat them. And you know, okay. I could go on and on about all the different matches, matchups between Oklahoma State and Miami. Yeah. But, but who wants to hear that kind of who who wants to hear that kind of thorough analysis? Yeah, go to my blog if you really want to do a deep dive on Oklahoma State and Miami. It's um, Ward Roberts on women's college basketball.com backslash prodigy backslash AOL.com. Backslash, we love how you pound the women. <laughs> okay. You can't just say that and, and you have to provide the context. Oh, because oh right. Some yes. people might not know <laughs> that when we were at the Illinois game, a former player for the 1983 women's team who won their share of the Big Ten championship came up to us and was very excited that we were there supporting the women and just said to us in her excitement, I love how you pound the women. And we, <laughs> and then she kind of pounded my chest and ran off. It was like a we mic were drop. To deal <laughs> with the ramifications of that. So, uh, yeah, I, I am so excited for this game. As of this morning, I hadn't seen what time the Saturday game was, but it's Saturday, Monday games. In the first round, eight thirty a.m. our time. Ooh, eleven thirty on Friday. Okay, Coffee and the Hoosiers. All right, I like it. I um, just want to smash them. Yeah, I'm. You know, I am. I am trying to look at that bracket and what we've got. You know, Villanova is They're the four good. seed there. I have watched them. They score a lot of points. They play wide open, spread out. Like I don't want to say Iowa like, but they 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 score. Then we've got Michigan lurking um, um, at, at a six seed. LSU, uh, NC State's so is good. And then Utah. Ooh, LSU I don't, is LSU's the two seed, right? The three seed. Um, Utah is the second seed. And I didn't even I didn't even know Utah women's basketball team was any good, but apparently they're they're quite good. I know nothing about it. I'm just excited as hell to watch Grace Berger have one final magical run in the NCAA tournament. She deserves it. She's earned it. It's time to go out and show it. So that's what that's all about. Ward, you yeah. know what it's time for. I do. I know that it's time to let you go ahead and tell everybody that we are brought to you back. IU Ventures presents a segment without pretense. Who's your hoop live just for you? We did that flawlessly. That was it. We finally did it. We figured it out. IUVentures.com, proud sponsor of our segment, Hoosier Hoopla, where we talk about all things IU men's basketball, and we have a loaded show when it comes to IU men's basketball. Two powerhouse guests to come in and talk about everything happening. But first, let's talk about IU Ventures. Look, we've gotten to know these guys over the last several months. It is one of the most impressive and aspirational components of Indiana University. They are an entity of Indiana University set up to support IU entrepreneurs. That's it. They are set up to support businesses that have been built on and are built on IU DNA. They're from created by or run by or intellectual property 
uh, invented by IU students, alumni, faculty, and staff. And IU Ventures actually is a fund that provides financing for said companies. They also allow you as a consumer and a Hoosier fan and an investor to come in and be an angel investor and put your money into these companies with the hope that you're going to get a payout. IU Ventures is supporting IU businesses. They're creating jobs. They're doing good things for the world. Cancer treatment drugs, you know, a rare disease um, treatments that affect kids, uh, you know, a vegan ice cream, yeah. you know, um, the, the company that we talked about last week that is working on coming up with an apparel line for elderly people to make it easier for them to get dressed. This is a remarkable company. Or, I'm sorry, a remarkable organization, iuventures.com. Go there and sign up for the email newsletter to at least find out what the hell's going on there. You will not be disappointed. The newsletter's free, iuventures.com. Here comes a guest. Here comes a guest. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, well, he's been with us during the entire season. Why not bring him back for the postseason? The man, the myth, the legend that Eric's going to give you the exact, exact information on. I mean, he really is a man that needs no introduction anymore. I think all we have to say at this point is joining us to talk about what's been going on with Indiana basketball as we head into the postseason. Dutch. <laughs> Right? I mean, I think it has officially caught fire. Am I right, Dutch? Well, it sounds like it. Um, you know, I've been dreaming about this for a long time. And it's uh it's just I can feel it. It's it's good. It's good. I appreciate you guys for uh giving a little turbo boost to that. Have you have you felt an uptick in Dutch usage in your day-to-day -day life? I wouldn't say that, but I, I did get a handful of texts, you know, so there's there, the awareness is that you got to you got to work on the awareness, and the adoption rate. It's getting good. It's getting good. The awareness uh, of the adoption rate. Yeah, I like I've, it. Uh, you really were potentially exposing us there for, you know, just how few people listen. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. There, no impact. No difference whatsoever. <laughs> All right. Look. We're going to do a deep dive into the upcoming uh, opponent, but we need to take a step back and talk to you about what I do feel has been a roller coaster ride with the Indiana University men's basketball team over the last several weeks. Just to set the stage here, over the last eight games, about the last quarter of the season, we're four and four. You know, we have wins against Purdue, which was the biggest win of the season at Purdue. We have possibly the worst loss of the year, which was just getting boat raced uh, by Iowa at home. We have wins against Illinois and Michigan where we did not play very well. I think it's safe to say in those games and got lucky to get away with wins. But uh, then we played really well against Maryland in that second half, I thought, in the Big Ten tournament. But we also have losses against Northwestern, got boat raced by Michigan State, and then, of course, the most recent loss against Penn State in the Big Ten tournament, which, while it was played in Chicago, was a home game by all intents and purposes. So, Brian, where are you at with what you've seen from this Indiana team heading into the postseason? Well, I said the other day to somebody uh, that I, I felt like there, we could easily go 0-2, right? Zero, 
lose the first game of the Big Ten tournament, lose the first game of the NCAA tournament, and I could see that being the end of our year. And I could also see us get to the championship, potentially win the Big Ten tournament, and going on a little run. Um, that's not a good thing, right? Yeah. That's not a good thing. Just that I just have no idea what we're going to do or how we're going to play. I just don't have a ton of confidence in our – maybe in our approach to the game. I, I, I don't know, guys. Uh, well, I mean, you know, if we're talking about our peak confidence and mood there when we rattle off eight out of nine, including uh, the big win over Purdue at home, finally taking down Rutgers, that was – we started that by beating Wisconsin. You know, and, and we're arguably healthier – now then we you know race is certainly looking better moving better um have you seen anything from that stretch to this last stretch of being a 500 team of of what we're doing on the court that gives you a clue as to why we seemingly are getting worse you said getting worse you think we're getting you think we're getting worse compared to winning eight of nine compared to going four and four i mean yeah that's worse yeah i mean we're just what are we doing though we're just hoping for the best um my father-in-law bummed me out last night i was watching the selection show with him and he tells me oh no no not kent state oh no and i was like why are you saying that he goes, oh, I watched them play the other day. They're really, they're really good. <laughs> I don't know if we can beat them. I'm like, are you serious? You're scouting. You're scouted. You've already scouted Kent State for us. And he said, no, I'm serious. I watched them play. They're athletic, active, long, rangy. And I have no idea if he's telling the truth. I don't even know if he's even seen them. But he didn't make me feel very good about it. I just well, think we're all, our confidence is just a little shaken right now. We just, we don't look right. We just don't, you know, Trace is still doing his thing. Uh, but outside of that, we just don't look right. Yeah. And you know what, Brian, you and I have talked about this a little bit, I think on the podcast and off, uh, not to, to, to talk out of school here, but I think we can talk about it now in the press conference after the Penn state game, there were comments from trace about, you know, I just think we played scared. He used the word scared you know, to, to describe how the team played and we got lackadaisical. We were too lackadaisical. And he talked about how he came out, not as fiery as he needed to. And we've heard that from him several times this year. Now talking about himself and the team in one game, he talked about how he was not ready to play at the beginning of the game and was not ready to go. I've never heard that before. Like we've had bad teams. We've had teams much worse than what we're watching now, but I've never heard a player. And I think this is actually, I commend trace for being this honest, but I think it also hurts him a little bit to be this honest that this is just a team that for whatever reason does not have the leadership that gets them ready to play. And they come out accountable every game. It does not happen. And the truth is, the same could be said against the Michigan was the same way. We came out okay, but then just got punched, and that was the end of it. And then and then we got really lucky that we were able to stem the tide. Illinois, we went down by double digits. Like, what is it? Is it coaching? Is it players that this team has way too many games where they're just not ready to give the effort that they need to give? 
Jackson. I, I don't have an answer for them. I, I, I agree with you. I do think it just looks like, I mean, there, there's too many lulls. Like, we're not getting shots and we're not you know, just – we're, all we're trying to do is get him the ball on every possession. It's it's like the old veteran NBA coach thing. That's what they – I played for Chuck Daly for a couple of years, and it, an old-school vet coach in the NBA, meaning wants to play his old guys, uh, believes in them. It's hard to get on the court when you're young. And he had this mentality of if we, if we run a play and it works, we're just going to keep on running it. That's all we're going to do. Until they make an adjustment and, and show that they can stop us, we're going to keep running. I feel like that's what we're doing with Trace. And every possession, it's just to get him the ball. And, again, this has been working to an extent. But it makes us so one-dimensional. And I, I don't think you can beat good teams when that's all you're doing on every possession. I don't know what their, I don't know what their game plan is. You know, we're, we're, all, we're all calling this a little bit blind. You know, we're not in there and, and listening to what the game plan is. But that's what I see. We just come down and we're just trying to throw him the ball in the, in the mid block, it, it, wherever we can get it to him. And the guy has actually improved at putting the ball on the floor and he's, he's way more comfortable than he ever was in the past. But I, you know, can a team like that go win a few games? I don't, I just don't know. Yeah, yeah. It seems like it's, I mean, a lot will be predicated on matchups. And as Eric said, we'll get into Kent state later. Uh, but one thing I noticed in the last game when we got just smoked by Penn State again, can't believe this is the conversation we're having, getting swept by Penn State and Northwestern and Iowa. It's, this is depressing. We can go and look, oh, well, we swept Purdue and we we beat Michigan and we swept Illinois. So that's nice too. But particularly in that last game, just seeing – no pick and roll at the top of the key with Jalen and Trace until the very end. Is that, was was there something going on that Penn State was doing defensively that kept us from doing that earlier, or did we just forget that we could do that? And that's actually how we got rolling towards the end of last season. Man, great question. I don't know. I don't know why we're we're so one dimensional. Why we don't run that? I would I would run high pick and roll with him all day long. All you're trying to do with Jalen is get him a little head of steam, you know, where he can get into the – whether the paint or just the key area. He's so good in that in the top of the key or inside the key. I would want him living there and, and trying to put some pressure on the defense because you, you got to get – our shooters aren't quick triggers, you know. I, they drive me yeah. crazy. I mean – Yes. I, I, and I can't even believe that they're high – and then shoot. I feel like I've watched all the games, and when I see Galloway and and Miller's stats, I'm like, man, they seem about ten points higher than I feel like I've what I've seen. And they need wide open shots. And so if if we can't suck in the defense and kick them the ball, I mean, Miller will not shoot a shot. He will not shoot a shot unless it's just wide open. Then he was doing stuff on the dribble and, and got a few. And I'm saying, no, no, no. And, and he, he threw a couple in uh, that surprised me in that last game. But, man, I, if, if we can't – those guys do shoot a decent percentage. If they have they have all the time in the world to line it up, I would think we'd be trying to get those guys some shots. We just don't. We just don't. I, I, it, I'm glad you brought this up because I wanted to focus on this. I have a theory on our three-point percentage and want to get your take on it. 
we do have a high three-point percentage when you look at it, which has made everybody go, why aren't we shooting more? Shoot more, shoot more, shoot more. That's clearly a very logical extension out of seeing a high percentage. However, what you just said, I think our three-point percentage is a bit of a mirage because we don't take a lot of threes and we only take them, like you said, when they are so wide open. Like the guys taking them are Trey and Miller. Tamar comes in and shoots a couple. Jalen doesn't shoot that many. He's had a couple games where he shot some. But when you're only shooting threes, when the conditions are absolutely perfect, your percentage is probably going to be pretty high for anybody in college basketball. We are not willing to, we don't have players willing to take anything other than a super comfortable three tomorrow will from time to time, but he just doesn't get as much playing time and as many shots. So our percentage is like artificially high because it's basically a practice shot percentage. It's not like a real game percentage like other teams do. And we don't run plays for people. We don't, how many times Ward or Brian, how many times this year have we shot a three coming off of like a pick? where a guy is like on the move, catch the ball, pop versus just swing the ball, trace double team, kicks it out to somebody or transition wide open. I, I can't count. One time. It was yeah, one time. And I, I can't count five. I really can't. And so I actually think we're not a good shooting team. And the percentage is misleading. That's my theory on it. Brian, what do you think? Well, I think there's truth to it. I mean, I can look at my own uh, stats, you know, from, from my career and tell you that, you know, I haven't looked at them recently, but I know I was a 50% shooter, maybe my first year or two. Uh, if I wasn't over 50, I was right at 50. And it's to your point, you know, I was taking more open shots. You know, we had Calvert and all these different guys you had to defend and I wasn't very high up on the scouting report, right? I mean, there other schools haven't figured out that you can make that shot. You got to prove it to the league, right, before they start guarding you. And you know, as time went on and years peeled on, I I was becoming a better shooter for sure. I mean, I, I was absolutely improving as a shooter. My percentage is going way down because the team needed me to score more. You got to yeah. take you know tougher threes, more contested threes. So I, I mean, I think you're making a really good point, and I, I just don't think we have guys that have a lot of courage. You know, I, I, there's still plenty of shots that Miller, I mean, he's jacking around and I can picture the position, you know, uh, and I'm all about a shot fake, man. I mean, shot fake got me a lot of open shots, but he's got time to shoot. And it's just, it's like an automatic shot fake every single time, I, you know, but we're, we're actually encouraging these guys to have some courage and some sack and take a shot. What would Bobby do? What would Bobby do with this personnel, Brian? You, When we're talking about getting good shots from the outside with some good shooters, even if it's a relatively small sample size, and you have one of the best big men, if not the best in the country, screw Edie, uh, like w what's an action, actions you can run to get these guys clean looks? <clears throat> well, I mean, I wouldn't go by Coach Knight because, you know, it, 
Woodson played for him. He's he knows that offense. He has chosen to not run that offense. That offense yields shots to good players that can shoot. Right, that's who gets the shots. Are good players that understand the offense and can work off the screens. And it's and it's a dynamic that you know it's it's a little tough to describe. Like I I would grab two or three of our our guys like a uh, uh, Mandeville or Lindemann. And you take ownership of the of the offense. You say, look, you're going to work on the same side as me. I'm getting open today. I, 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 you're going to get me open. You're going to set a ton of screens for me. And by the way, there's going to be slip opportunities that I'm going to get you the ball for a layup. Like, it's not like it's all about me trying to jack shots up. I don't know why we don't run any any movement, any mode. Instead of calling it Bob Knight's motion offense, just any movement offense we don't run. You know, we've talked about this on the show. Go look at Terry Morin's offense. Man, it's good movement. It's good motion. It, it keeps the, the defense alert. they got to be on their toes because they know you're moving. We make it so easy for the other defenders to relax. I mean, so I don't think we're wearing people out. Mm. And they're not tired at the end of the game because it's mm. typically one person guarding Trace. Somebody's got to guard the ball with Shafino. Somebody's got to, you know, expend some energy because he's trying to probe. Although – Man, he it just looked like he wasn't even in the game. I know he's still a young guy, but he'll make a play, and I've turned into like, oh, he's a pro. Everyone's saying, oh, he makes a he makes a, a move and a shot. He's a pro, and then he disappears for five minutes, and he's just a like a, a just a slight facilitator where he's just dribbling around trying to throw it to Trace. We don't put a lot of pressure on the defense. We just do not. I feel like on the other end of the court. The other team is trying to expose us. They're working the ball, you know, they're, and we're getting lost. I mean, you, you saw what was going on against Penn State. We we were not switching very well. We kept losing. They they got a lot of open shots. We don't get those open shots because we're too predictable trying to just throw it into Trace, wherever he is, whether he's on the wing or in the mid post. That's all, we're, that's all we want to do. And so nobody – we just – we're not wearing the other team out. You know, at the end of the game, I feel like we look tired. And they really don't because they rest at one end. Mm. I think that's a really interesting point. And that that Ward and I have talked about this when the games are going on and we're on a text chain. And the thing that's most frustrating to me is I watch the Iowa game, you know, where they just boat raced us. I watch the Penn State game. And it seems like all other teams out of their offense create open shots, like easy shots, some right at the bucket, like movement, layups, backdoors, or guys wide open for three consistently, like Iowa did and Penn State did. Whereas the shots that we take are either contested, like either Trace will make a great move and get around a guy and dunk it, great, or he's taking a lot of contested jump hooks, you know, and, and some of them are going in, some aren't, or Jalen is taking really difficult mid-range and long twos off of a pick and roll or just creating something. But we are not, we do not cons consistently create easy looks. And to me, it's just such a simple equation. College teams aren't that good. And if you run some kind of movement, and I'm not calling it a motion offense, but some movement, ultimately there's going to be a breakdown on the defensive side. They're going to get confused. And I say that, because it's what happens to us. We constantly get confused. It's what happens. You don't know which rotation to go on. Who? Wait, oh my God, are we supposed to switch here? And when you do that four or five times in a possession, it opens something 
wide open for the offense. We rarely do that. I mean, so rarely do we create just a great look out of really good offense. It's frustrating. I, I don't, I mean, maybe it is just this NBA mentality. Trace is the best player on the court in every game virtually that we've played. So to play devil's advocate, Brian, that's what the NBA does. If you've got a guy who's better than everybody, don't you want him to touch it every time? And so why why doesn't that work as well in college? Or why isn't it working as well consistently for Indiana? Yeah, it, it's not not working, right? Because he is throwing down stats. And I, I understand we want to play through him. That, that, that makes sense. Play through your best player who's being very productive. I think we've taken it to an extreme where it's made us a little too one-dimensional. You know, we're not keeping the other team honest at all. They just, they're staying home on the shooters, guys that can make shots, they're staying home. And, you know, they're going to send a double to Trace, but it's like we just don't have any movement. So we're just easy to guard. I mean, you got you got Miller in one corner and you got Trey in the other corner and yeah, they can knock down a shot if nobody's around them, but people are around them. I, I just, I think you right. just have to have better movement. Yeah. Okay. And what are you seeing on the defensive side of things? Like with, with that confusion that Eric alluded to against a Penn state against an yeah. Iowa, is that something that's going awry in the, the scout? Is that something that, it's just not the players aren't communicating on the court. Like how is it when these teams aren't coming out and running a whole new offense that we've never seen before that are, they're consistently getting better wide open looks than us. Obviously we won't go into what the different offensive schemes are that, that torture us like that, but what are you seeing that's going wrong on the defensive end that just allows them to, to really get, uh, practice shots, the kind our shooters would love to have. Yeah, I, all I can see is because so I, I don't know what the scout looks like, right? I I see um, missed uh, switches, right? You saw Trace and Race get confused, basically yep. bump into each other and give away a, a wide open shot. Uh, they did that several times. And that's just, you know, being dialed in, I think, more than anything else. And it's, it's talking and communicating on the court. I mean, missed switches happen. I, I just think we just look, um, I don't know. I mean, he's telling you after the game that they weren't ready. They weren't as focused as they should be. That's what I saw. I mean, that's what it looked like, right? I can't tell what the scout is, um, but, I, but I see us almost switching everything. You guys noticed that because they didn't have – Penn State doesn't have a lot of bigs. Yes, so we're switching what, everything. What the strategy was, yeah, just switch everything. But when you do that, you got to be talking to each other. And I don't know. I mean, we have certain games that we, we come in and we look really locked in defensively and then other games, not, not at all. And I mean, that's, that is what this team has been. That's the roller coaster that you alluded to, Eric. So let's focus on defense for a second. I want to throw out some stats here. Here is the truth about our defense this year. We are not a good defensive team overall, the whole season. We are not good. We are 46th defense overall. But when you break that down, in the conference, we're ninth best in the conference. We have the ninth best defense in the conference out of 14 teams. Against top 100 teams, we're 98th in the country. 
out of, against top 50 teams, we're 127th in the country. And in our last 10 games, we're 61st in the country. So this defense is nowhere near as good as it was last year, and it's nowhere near as good as it needs to be. And I do think, I hate excuses, but Xavier Johnson was one of our best defensive players, and him not being there clearly impacts it. But the team defense is simply not good. They're getting confused. They're just not creating havoc. They make it very easy for the other team, which is why I want to ask this question. Two games that we've been boat raced, I'm including this last one against Penn State and the one against Northwestern, where they were killing us. And then at the end of the game, we put on a full court press and we wreak havoc, and we got back in both games. This game against Penn State, we actually had a chance to tie the game. We had the ball. Against Northwestern, we never had the ball with a chance to tie it, but we made it you know, a very low single-digit margin. Because we put this pressure on, it confused them. We played with urgency. My question is, when you don't have a good defense overall, which we do not, why not do that press at other times in the game. Why not start the fucking game with it? Why not come out of halftime and throw it in? Why not after a made free throw, throw it in? Why not just do it randomly throughout the game? I get that we can't play it all game. You'll get tired, you'll foul. But why Why not throw it out a few times to just change the dynamic when we aren't playing with great energy, the press almost forces us to. Why not throw that in there? Well, I agree. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know that we're um, – I think about who beats us, right? And I – Chris Collins, Fran McCaffrey, I don't really want to like those guys. I, I feel like that they're very deliberate. They work the ball. They go find shots, and they, they're not afraid to whip it around. And it's kind of like a team brand of basketball. Seems to give us trouble. And I, and, and I don't know that we adjust to that that style very well. I don't know. I, I do think not having Xavier matters. I mean, he probably can't, you probably can't uh, sell that short when he's picking up full, he's, right. he's conditioned to do it, or at least he was. And he, you know, he's wearing somebody out. I mean, you gotta, you gotta be dribbling and knowing this guy's trying to take the ball from me that, that you expend energy playing against him, you know? Yes. And yes. the other thing it does, it gives, it gives other guys time to rest, you know, they can't get it up the court very quick, right? So you're not playing very fast because he's he is wreaking havoc. I saw. I do think he's hurt. Uh, the loss of him has hurt our defense. Um, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know why you wouldn't throw some of that on. It makes perfect sense to me. Just the way you you dictated that. Why wouldn't you do it? Especially if you see in two or three different games you got back into a game. I, I, hey, I'm scratching my head. I don't know why he wouldn't do that. I. <sighs> I don't know. I'm I do think losing X was worth at least a couple games this year in terms of what our overall uh you know conference record would have been. I think you know you could be looking at a 14 and 6 team with X. Um and not that he would have been awesome every game, but in some games where nobody else was really stepping up, Jalen disappeared, nobody else was was finding any shots, that would have been a difference in a couple of games, but what worries me is the emphasis on great guard play going into the tournament and us while having one budding NBA star on our team, as you pointed out, Brian, he, he wasn't 
really making much of an impact in the last game. What what do we need to see from him and Trey and let's say Scoop as maybe maybe the one guy who barely has but at least has the capability to create his own shot. What do you want to see maybe different from those guys going forward than we've seen much over the last eight games? Well, the one thing I saw uh, Penn State do in Lundy, and I'm trying to think of the other guy, Funk, those guys are stepping in aggressively ready to shoot. I was saying that to whoever, the folks I was watching the game with. It's like, well, look at they want to shoot. They think it's going in. When they got an opening, they're they're aggressive. There's just an aggressive look to it that we just do not have and i think it starts right there i I know we're not i know we don't have a ton of movement i know they're not getting wide open shots but man just look more aggressive even if it's the like the calipari dribble drive just beat somebody off the dribble like miller just catch it one time ready to go like you're you're you know you're not shooting you're just going to take off you're going to rip the ball through and go and if you can just get past somebody like I could do this and know that I'm not going to go finish it. Right. I'm not going to go rise up and dunk it, but I'm really just ripping it through one or two hard dribbles just to make somebody else help and then kick the ball. And mm-hmm. that's the Calipari like drive and kick offense and, and create shots that way. We don't do any of that stuff. We it just, that's where I think we're in trouble. We just, we just seem really one dimensional and it's always a one-off play. And I, I, if, Tamar can get hot in a game, he could keep us in a game. If, if Shafino could make a handful of plays, he could keep us in a game. But we always just seem like we're right on the edge of a drought. You know, like any minute we could go eight minutes without scoring. And that's, you know, we've seen it in too many games. We, we do that too much. We do. I What you just articulated, I think, is my biggest frustration with the team is that in years past, we I don't even think we had the guys and the horses that if somebody right. went off, you know, Devontae Green a couple times went crazy, like crazy, 30-plus yeah. points, and we won those games. But you know that that was fool's gold. With Jalen, he does have the talent that literally any game he could get 20. And Trace obviously has 30 ability, you know, pretty consistently. But yeah. that... That's frustrating to me because that's what we need to compete at a high level. It's not that we can rely on this team thing that we do to keep us in a game. It's that we are so reliant on an individual's performance as opposed to having a team system where you just know if it's not this guy, then this guy's going to step up. That's not the team we have right now. I mean, it's it's literally... You know, what, what was the old saying in baseball? Like, uh, what was it? Like, somebody for five and pray, pray for rain or something. It's like Trace and Jalen and pray for the game to end. And if those two yeah. guys aren't having individually excellent games, it is so hard for us to win a game. It is. And it's just, it's we're so reliant on the individual performance. But I will say on Tamar, who, you know, Ward was ready to build a statue of earlier in the season. Was. <laughs> and we were we were pretty critical of. I will say that outside of Trace, Tamar's playing well these last three games. Michigan, Maryland, and um, Penn State, 
he is a guy, Brian, that I would say of everyone on the team has the moxie, at least. He's not afraid to shoot the ball. Sometimes he shoots when he shouldn't, but he does step in aggressively. And I actually think his defense has been better these last few games. He's playing with an intensity that I don't think we saw earlier in the year. Um, so I give him some credit. He's not blown the setting the world on fire, but he's at least doing something productive out there more than Trey has because Trey's just Trey disappeared in the in the Big Ten tournament. Um, but that's what frustrates me: the reliance on just we need an individual to just go off, as opposed to relying on a team concept. You know, well, yeah, that, that's our team. I mean, guys, that, at this point in time, that's well, yeah, we're frustrated, but that really is who we are. And yeah. that's the identity, yeah. and I think that that's the um, that's the scout. You know, if you're the other team, that's what they're talking about. Let's keep these guys in check because he's not going to be able to do enough on his own. Um, and he's, you know, he, he's going one on one. He's getting to the rim like he always does. And his second jump, we could sit here and start singing his praises, but. You know, and I marvel at it sometimes. Like, but this outside of Dennis Rodman, this guy has the the quickest second jump I I think I've ever seen. I mean, wow. it's he's been remarkable. He really has. And you know, I, and I agree. He looked a little, little star eyed in the in the first half. It, that wasn't his best. And you know, it's like God, we have no. It's just hard to watch. You know, you just it's not the same team from one game to the next. You don't you never right. know who you're going to get. And I'm sitting there watching, chewing my nails, going, "Who are we going to get?" I have no idea. Yeah. yeah. I Do you see something, um, and I know a lot of it will be predicated on matchups, but Malik's got a real nice touch around the rim. Oh. Do you think there's something that could be done uh, that that maybe we've seen flashes of, but be, could, could be instituted early in a game or more often through a game by having Trace and Malik out there at the same time? You know, I, I don't. I just don't know how good of a fit that is. Like I've been rooting for that kid all year, you know. And against Maryland, I, I mean, I was so frustrated with Race Thompson. I, I I couldn't hardly watch the game, and and Malik had played well. I'm sitting there going, why is he not in the game? Why is Malik not in the game? And I'm watching Race, who is just the absolute struggle bus. I mean, the last home game, the missed free throws. I mean. I realized he ended up having a decent game the other night, but my goodness, I, I was, I've been rooting for Malik to be on the court more. And, you know, I, I was, I was losing my mind watching us inbound the ball with, with race Thompson when he threw it away to nobody. Right. I, I, I don't understand how Mike Woodson could rationalize that guy being your, in your decision maker with the ball. I mean, He's never, ever shown decision-making skills. So let's let him inbound the ball in a pressure situation. I mean, oh, maybe because you're afraid if they're going to be fouling, you don't want him getting fouled because he's choking. But that's not what I was seeing. There was still enough time on the clock. I don't know why you're giving him the ball. I don't I just, I obviously, I, I, this was something in my head that I wanted to complain about because you didn't ask me about it, but it was driving me crazy. I, I want Malik out on the court more. And I realized that that's just not going to happen. You know, I, I've known that since midseason. He's just not going to do it. Yeah, I. It, it is frustrating. And by the way, I'm not a huge believer in like the plus minus thing, like being the gospel. However, 
there was one player who had a plus in the Penn State game on our team, and it was Malik Renew. He played 12 minutes, had six points and six rebounds in those 12 minutes. He was the only guy who had a plus. Everybody else on the team was negative, and a lot of them were negative double digits. But Malik clearly played well, and you're right. Like, he's Mm -hmm. just – Woody is a guy who values seniors and values upperclassmen and veterans. He has in his two years of being at Indiana. He's just done that. I mean, last year, when we all felt like Jordan Geronimo was starting to come on more and could possibly give us a different dimension, he it was a struggle to get Jordan playing time. And then ultimately, Jordan had a good end of the year. Now, Jordan... That's another story that I don't even want to get into it. So it's so depressing, truthfully. He's just fallen apart. I mean, I the coaching staff clearly doesn't trust him. He comes and he makes one mistake. He's out. He looks checked out on the bench. It's really sad. Like, he has a ton of raw, natural, athletic ability. He's got a good build. He's got energy. But it just hasn't come together for him, and that's been really depressing truthfully but yeah i mean malik renew's got skill and i agree with ward i think he's got the best touch around the basket on the team including trace and well he, they gotta get him away from i mean what where he gets himself in trouble and i, and I know why they're taking him out is that he needs to be the low post guy you know he, he just needs to be it's not like you you just throw it to him down there over and over and over you know he's, he's not trace right but he when he's out there, he needs to be close to the basket. He when he gets yeah. catches it on the perimeter, he's a disaster. He he does not yes. know what to do. He's traveled several times, but he yes. looks he's hesitant. He starts to go and stops, and then he runs people over. Like you just got to take that away from him and go. No, dude, you're down here on the block. You know how about a how about a cross screen? I mean, I know that sounds crazy <laughs> since you know Woody played. Woody played for Bob Knight of all people. How about a how about an old school, old fashioned cross screen, big on big, to bring somebody into the post where the defense is having to fight through something? You know what I mean? Yeah. All we're doing is he's putting his hand up and holding somebody off. It's so NBA. I hate it, and it's not. And you could put Trace in a way better spot. If you were making it hard on on the guy guarding him to get around or make him switch, you know, yes. what if totally what if they had two bigs and one one's a way better defender? Well, why aren't we trying to see if we can get them to switch? Mm. Like they're mm. doing that to us and they're confusing us and getting open shots. Why, why are we not ever setting a screen for him? I just I'll never know. I mean, I, this guy played for the same guy I played for. I'll I'll never understand. Screens work, guys. They work. I mean, it's it, it, all it is is ball screen or bust with us. It's it, and that's that's where we're trying to play. You know, an NBA brand of basketball that you know I don't I don't think a lot of teams are playing. I'm watching I'm watching that Northwestern style of like you know the dude. Hey, let's share the ball with one another. Let's be methodical. Let's move and see if we can get the defense to make a mistake. We don't do that. Do or, or Penn State. I mean, look at how Penn State plays. I mean, they, I hate watching other teams and go, I like how they play better than we play. It frustrates me. But I Same I want to be I want to be optimistic here. I want to I don't like where this is going. This the the, the trajectory of this conversation, because 
I want to focus on the positive, which is, Brian, two years ago, three years ago, four years ago, five years ago, six years ago, we would just be talking about what's going to happen next year. We wouldn't be talking about we're a four seed in the NCAA tournament. So we're in the NCAA tournament, mm -hmm. which means it's a new season. Everybody's zero and zero. And we're in a bracket that I think, you know, yeah, Kent State is a tough team, and we'll get into that with our next guest. But which is We're Brian's father-in-law. Yeah, Brian's father-in-law is <laughs> on the horn. Um, <laughs> but we've got a chance at some revenge along with, you know, good matchups. Um, and Kent State is not a three-point, like, you know, bombarding team, which has given us trouble. But we are in the NCAA tournament. And if we do play well, we can beat anybody. And if we make the Sweet 16, I'm sure you saw, Brian, we very well might play Kelvin Sampson. Have you thought at all about that part of the bracket, that part of the story with Indiana this year? No. <laughs> I do that one time every episode. I just give you the no. I, no, I, I really haven't. I, I haven't thought about Kelvin Sampson. Uh, that to me, that's not revenge. I, I, I'm, I look back at that and just think it's so hard to believe that texting got somebody fired, you know, well, come on, that long come on, ago. Come on. And wait, wait, it's, stop, it's stop. That, I, I'm just not that mad at him. Wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. No. Wait, a minute wait a minute. Wait a minute. Texting. And first of all, it wasn't texting phone calls is what they used to fire him. But Brian, we had a guy on the team who was a drug dealer connected to a large drug dealer in Chicago. We had guys that were purportedly bringing a gun to parties. We had 20 Fs on the team, 20 Fs on the team. We had over a dozen failed drug tests on the team. He didn't get fired because he made too many phone calls. They used the phone calls to get him. He got fired because he dropped his pants and took a giant shit on the legacy of Bob Knight and Indiana University and everything that we stood for. That's why it's revenge, because he was a piece of shit that didn't care at all about any of the stuff that came before him and what mattered at Indiana and gave us all a big fuck you. So, yeah, I still am mad at him and fuck him yes. and I hate him. So. <laughs> There you go. A, hey, hey, that's a great rant, man. We pressed his buttons, Ward. We got him. We got him. He got his blood pressure up, the whole deal. We got him. That was my goal for this session was just to get Eric hot. He's hot. Or Kelvin Sampson. I don't like him either, dude. I, I don't like him either. But I do. Man, his teams play friggin' hard. I, I mean, they may be connected to the mafia. I don't know what they are. But And by the way. A lot of the stuff you just said, I had no idea. I didn't know any of that stuff. Yeah. I didn't know about the. I knew there was failed drug tests. I didn't know we had uh, connectivity to like major uh, drug yeah. dealers. That's yeah, it's horrible. Out of Chicago, yeah. It, I mean, it was it was atrocious. But by the way, to your point, his teams play great, and he's one of the best. I I almost think it's inarguable that he is one of the best five coaches in college basketball right now. I mean, what he's done at Houston is insane. He's been to a Final Four 
He's he's got a number one seed. It is ridiculous. And his teams at Indiana played hard. His two teams were really yeah. good. And and so yeah. which which pisses me off even more because he didn't have to bring in drug dealers. We would have been fine. He could have not recruited El Chapo and we still would have had a good team. But he chose to, you know, that he had to fill the team with Nino Brown from New Jack City and Pablo Escobar. That's what he recruited to Indiana, which pisses me off. So can I tell you a real quick Kelvin story? Because we don't want to just be negative about our team. So let's be negative about our old coach. Yeah. Yes. Um, so I go down to the press conference when he gets hired. And and because Scott Dolson or somebody suggested I come down there. And I said, okay. And he he gets done with the press conference and comes walks straight up to me, which was kind of surprised me. I'd never met him before. We played against him when I was in – when I was – Plan. He was at Washington State, and we beat him in one of our, you know, Hoosier Classics, one of those, one of those tournaments. Um, but okay, he just come from Oklahoma. I get a, he comes up to me and goes, Brian Evans, the lefty, the shooter. I was like, oh, okay, coach, you know, knew who I was. That's cool. He goes, so I get a phone call, the morning of the 1996 NBA draft. That's the Orlando Magic, and they say the general manager says to me, who do you take? Brian Evans or Ryan Miner? And he goes, and I told him, Ryan Miner every day of the week and twice on Sunday. <laughs> so he told me. That, that's how he introduced that's how he introduced himself to me, which I thought was a, a really strange way to introduce yourself to somebody. <laughs> what I, the said, hell? I just said, I paused. I paused for a, a second, and I said, oh, I, they must have called Coach Knight right after they called you, and that's, they listened to him. I mean, the team drafted me. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know why. I don't know why he would have told that story. It was just a. It was just a strange thing to say. Well, awful. To, all right, to take things on uh, on the positive end, tr try to steer it back over there. We are a four seed. Uh now look, we're not bracketologists here. Not not anywhere close to bracketology. I don't know how all these bracketologists got it so right because we're simple men. We look at Torvik. We look at Sagrin. We look at Ken Palm. We look at the net. And there the is the NCAA's own ranking system, the one that they commissioned and designed to take into account what they care about. And apparently they don't care that much about it because we should have been a seven, maybe an eight seed if you're looking at all those numbers. But Brian, we know it's not a game played out on computers with analytics. And maybe you, you probably don't care about any of this, but we we essentially were were christened by the selection committee as the 15th best team in the country. Does that make sense to you? Does that seem right to you? Or did you just slip some fat cash to your old teammate, Chris Reynolds, to make this happen? <laughs> Assuming we want to be that high of a seat, I, you know, I, again, I think you just got to win. If you're serious, like you look at uh, UCLA a couple of years ago, man, you just got to go, you got to beat good teams, right? And if, if you're going to worry about beating Kent State as a, you know, as a 13 seed or a four, and we're actually worried about that. I'm with you. I don't. I, I'm surprised at how high our seating was. And when you look at Northwestern, you know, finishing second in the conference, how how are we three seeds better than them? And I think it's because we beat Purdue twice and one one time at their place. 
and they're a one seed. That 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 has to be weighing in there. Otherwise, I'm with you. I, but but who? You know what? I'm happy going from a playing game to being the four seed. Even though I still think we've underachieved, you know, I still have that feeling that we've underachieved as a team Absolutely. for the season. Absolutely. But here we are, you know, and we so try not to be a pain, you know, try not to be shitty about it. But yeah, we are a four seed in the NCAA tournament. That's that's marked improvement, right? Yeah. Yes. Our team's kind of driving us crazy, and we're all, you know, I think when the season's over, we're going to be a little bit sad and we're going to be a little bit happy that it's over with because it's been an up and down, all around kind of thing. I, Look, I, you know, this team still has a chance to do something. They really they have a chance. We'll see if they can play. Yeah, I think it's a great yeah. point. According to the NCAA selection committee, we are supposed to play in the Sweet 16 this year, right? That's what it means when you're a four seed. We are absolutely supposed to smoke Kent State, and then we're supposed to beat the five seed. Miami, by the way, in the second round, has a big injury to their center. Um, but Brian, back to the storylines, because, you know, we're entertainment guys out here in L.A. You know, we <laughs> like the storylines. Do you know about who the the head coach of Kent State is? Yeah, I did. I saw that. Now, did you ever get to know Rob Senderoff at all when he was Kelvin's assistant? Did you know him at all? Did you meet him ever? No, no, I'm sure I met him. Uh, I'm sure it was a handshake once I. I'm thinking back. I don't think Kelvin ever invited me around. Like, you know, Crean used to want me to come talk to the team. Right. Um, that's that's never happened, obviously, uh, with the new staff now. Never happened with uh, Archie Miller and um, didn't happen with Kelvin. So I, I, I think I was around one time and was introduced to all those assistants. But, you know, didn't, I mean, it was fine. You know, it, was just, it was a quick handshake. So I, I can't say I know the guy at all. Well, chances are they probably called you on the phone. They, they were really into phone calls. <laughs> it was a three-way call. Yeah, that you didn't know about. Um, I will tell you my favorite thing Woody has done over the last couple of weeks in his press conference to talk about the NCAA tournament, the four seed, they asked him about potential matchup with Sampson. And he did say that he came – once I think I spoke to the team when he was there and he did refer to him as Calvin two times. <laughs> he said that Calvin asked him to come. And I think it is 100% probable that it's a certainty that Woody thinks his name is Calvin Sampson, which I like. I like that. hundred percent. Yes. I'm, I'm okay with that though. I like that. I like that. I would and like, I would like if, he was doing that on purpose. I, I wish that he was doing that on purpose. I'm going to say he is. I'm going <laughs> to say he is. Now, Brian, do you know about Ward and, and my history with Calvin Sampson and what we did as two idiots living in L.A.? No, I want to hear it, but I got to say on that on the mispronunciation or, or whether it's yeah. intentional or not, I, I heard a rumor. I can't say who told me this. That he thought Dane Fife was Dan, he was yeah. calling him Dan, is what I was told. So, yeah, that, it wouldn't be I his heard first that. Time. Well, he's referred to Kenya Hunter as Kenyan Hunter many times. Wow, and that and that's his okay. assistant coach. <laughs> yeah, that's his associate right. head coach. Right. All right, Ward, tell the story of the Hoosier hysterics pre-Hoosier hysterics and Calvin Sampson. 
Well, I think this makes it evident that we've always been the Hoosier hysterics. It's just we codified it and, you know, we just totally sold it out in recent years was you and I and our, our good friend, my childhood friend, Jensen Roof, traveled uh, to a Clippers game because we knew that Calvin Sampson was coming in as an assistant coach with what team? Minnesota? Houston? I think it was the Bucks. I think it was the yeah, Bucks. Yeah, yeah, or... it was the Bucks. It was Milwaukee. That's right. And we're like, we're, we're not Clippers fans. We're not Bucks fans. We are going to simply harass Calvin Sampson. And lo and behold, we get ourselves over by the tunnel. <laughs> And I get myself in a position where I could be leaning over the rail as as close to players and coaches as they come out as possible. Eric positions himself across the tunnel over by, uh, I think, was that where we were sitting initially? No, near the floor. Like near the he floor. Like enter the floor. Yeah. So Eric's got camera A set up beautifully. So you see, you see Calvin emerging from the tunnel and over him is this crazy person named Ward just screaming right down on top of his head, you're the devil, you're the devil. Oh, my God. And and oh keep in God. mind, it's a Clipper-Bucks game <laughs> 10 years ago, so no one's there. Like, you can hear no a one, pin drop. You can hear a pin drop. So you just use – I just see Ward – and he is gesticulating with his hand, pointing at him with each, you're the devil, you're the devil, you're the devil. And Calvin clearly hears him and looks up and like you could tell he realized what was happening very quickly and then tried to pretend like he didn't hear it and just kept moving. And so he thinks he's out of harm's way. Then he comes right by the right by my camera, walks right in front of my camera and my phone, and I then pick up the shouting, and Ward, what did I say to him? I, you were more like a hard-hitting investigative journalist. Like, Calvin, can you tell us it's uh, – uh, what did you say? What was it like to ruin the program? <laughs> yeah. What was it like to ruin Indiana? <laughs> you, and then he didn't answer, and then I started yelling, you ruined the program! <laughs> it was like he got past the book depository and you were waiting on the grassy knoll. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's good that's that, really good fellas that's the, that, that's the greatest thing you've ever done by the way that video adults. that video uh have we taken that down from youtube or is it still out there i've never taken it down so oh god yeah yeah you, google that did. folks oh that's wonderful guys that's well, your greatest you. contribution right. to indiana basketball yeah. let's get into predictions <laughs> Brian Evans, you've been pretty good on predictions. Not 100%, but pretty good. What's your take? What's going to happen with Indiana versus Kent State? Will we win that game? I, I, there's no chance I could say no. That's just horrible. I mean, it's horrible. <laughs> I am, right. I'm, not, I'm not incredibly confident right now in, in how we're going to come out. I mean, and part of it, I don't know if our fan base, how they feel about it, but it's like, when, when they tell you after games over and over, yeah, we, just, we weren't ready. We didn't show up for this one, or you know, I just wasn't myself. Uh, yeah, it, it makes you not believe in your team, you know. And and they've been now they've been training us to not trust them. So, you know, I I, I am a little nervous about the game. I'd like to think, hey, you're a four seed, go out and act like it, play like it, run them over. 
you're playing a double digit seed, go run them over. I do think the parody thing is real. Um, I do think teams like that from conferences like that, they know how to play. And I'm a little concerned about us in one of those neutral sites. I mean, I, it scares me us in a neutral site because I've, I've been in those games before and, and you guys have been to enough games. I'm sure when you're Indiana, at least when we were Indiana and, and Bob Knight was there and the whole place could turn on you real fast. Everybody wants to see the, the higher seed or the, you know, the lower seed lose the game. And then when it's a team that's got a brand associated with it, I was at the St. Peter's uh, Kentucky game last year and I was having the ball, the whole mm-hmm. place turned on Kentucky yes. and it was, I mean, it was hard. It was tough. They were in a really, really tough spot. And I think you're out in New York. Those New Yorkers are going to turn on us. They're going to want that other team to win. And I, and I worry about the personality or the, the, you know, intestinal fortitude of our team. Well, yeah, we did pretty we, well at Mackey. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's that guys. I've, I, I couldn't explain that when I was watching it. I still can't explain that. <laughs> well, three I don't words. Jalen Hood Shafino. Yeah, that's how it happened. Jalen Hood Shafino. Exactly right. I will say this about Albany, which I, I just can't believe the games are in Albany. These first round cities are ridiculous. But I do think we're going to get a pretty good contingent of Indiana fans coming from New York to go to Albany. I mean, there's a lot, there's a huge alumni fan base in uh, yeah. New York. And I do think yeah. they'll make the drive or a short flight, as I've been told. It's like a 30-minute flight that many take to Albany when they have to for work. I think there's going to be a decent contingent of Indiana fans. And I don't think yeah. there's going to be a lot of other fans because it's Albany and who the hell wants to go. And it's not like yeah. there's some marquee. I mean, it's Houston, right? Houston's the one seed and us and Auburn and Miami. I just don't think there's a lot of teams there that are going to attract a bunch of people, and I don't think Albany's going to get a ton of just neutral college yeah. basketball fans. Well, yeah, I mean, you think that they've done their research to know that they will. You know, why would you have it there if, if there's not neutral college fans that are going to go to that? But if there are neutral college fans that go, they will turn on us. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, more than that's any true. other team. Brian, when you – I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Dutch. Dutch. When uh, these brackets come out, do you fill them out? If you do, how many? And in in those brackets, are you one of those people like myself that has Indiana winning the championship every year? Uh, no, I'm not. And um, <laughs> that's just stupid. And, and most of the time, we're not in the tournament. So what do you do when we're not in the tournament? You still have us winning it? Yep. <laughs> no, right. Take, take I, my uh, money. <laughs> I don't fill one out. When Indiana is not in the tournament, I do not fill out a bracket. Period. I'm similar. I haven't. I've I've taken years off too. We had some family thing that they made me do it. And, you know, it's my sister in laws, and you know, I don't think any of them listen to this. But what started happening is nobody was paying up, and then I quit. That like ten years ago, <laughs> my wife won, and I forget what the bet was. It was it was nothing. It was like a dinner. I mean, I don't even know. It wasn't a big bet. But these people didn't pay their bet. They didn't pay up. They're like, oh, Aaron won. So let's just act like it didn't happen. I was like, then I was like, all right, well, I'm never going to play again. Right. I'm never going to play with you guys. I don't, I don't need to lose to my mother-in-law. And, and she, then she truly thinks that she's a better bracketologist than me. I, just, I don't need that shit. So. All right. Have so, you filled one out this year? Yeah. Have, 
I have not. No, no, I have not. You guys, it just happened last night. I mean, I, I'm <laughs> trying to get some work done today, and now I'm, I carve out time to talk to you. I have not filled out a bracket. All right. Well, we don't need uh, your whole bracket. Let me tell you a quick story, though. Real quick. Hold on. Please. Yeah, hold on. Hold on. Real quick. Yeah, please. Me and my buddies, I had this memory last night. Me and my good buddies used to go to a Pizza City in Terre Haute, and we'd sit down for the selection show. We'd all have paper, and yeah, back in the day, it would just be on the local news for like 10 seconds. They would throw the brackets up, and you'd have to just write them down as fast as you could. <laughs> yeah. And then what we, we would do is we would we would just go through all of them. We, we weren't professional gamblers by any means, and so it was like you just auctioned off every team. And if nobody wanted a team, it just it would just rotate around. You'd get stuck with a team for a quarter. And every year, I would I would buy Indiana, and we were always in the tournament. But I would I would purchase Indiana, and they'd be like a seven. I remember one year they were like a seven or eight seed, and I'm paying first seed money because my asshole buddies are running up the price on me, <laughs> knowing that I have to buy it. So I'm I got a seven seed that I paid you know the overall number one seed money for, and uh. I won it in 87, though. I did win. I won a lot. It was fantastic. And then I turned around, and I won with Kansas the next year. And I miss, I miss hanging with those guys and doing that because it was so much fun. I don't typically fill out the brackets. I'm not that into it. I, um, I love just watching the games, and I don't want to root for who I randomly picked. Mm. I, I just think it's so wide open. I don't want to be rooting for a team that I, that I thought would win. I just, I'd rather just watch games and root for awesome games and upsets and fun. Okay. Wait, um, wait. I have a wait. I have a question, real quick. On the on the auction, was there no cap on it? Like it would just go until somebody won it. No cap. Yeah. No cap. And then what did and you then do? I'd have to go home. I mean, I had no. Well, I had no money and no job, so I'd have to go home and be like, "Hey, Dad, I need twenty seven dollars and seventy five cents." Here's the shitty teams I bought, and you know that's what we did. Wait. Let's do no a cap. live. Let's do it right now. Let's do a live auction. We'll just do the top four seeds in each bracket between you, me, and Ward. I'm in. Okay. You ready? Okay. All right, so we'll start the bidding at what, a quarter? You call it. It's your show. All right, let's do a quarter. Let's. We're going to do the Indiana bracket last. All right, number one. Hold on, let me get a sheet of paper to keep track of this. This is going to be official. Okay. I've got mine ready. Okay, Alabama. Ward, you can well anybody can jump in. Alabama. One dollar. One dollar. I'll I'll go two dollars for that gun toting asshole coach. Brian, no bid here? No bid. Three dollars. Three dollars. I'll go I'll go four bucks on five five dollars. Six dollars. I'm out. <laughs> All right. Brian, do I have do I have them? Okay, yeah, I don't want them. Arizona. I'm not making a bid on Arizona. I'm out. A quarter. A dollar. A dollar twenty-five. <laughs> They're all yours. No, nobody wants to listen to this for much longer than we've already done. No it. one wants to listen. This is stupid. This is stupid. If we got, hey, that's what makes it a good show. We realized that was friggin' horrible. That was something I did in seventh grade, guys. That's okay. Last prediction, Brian. <laughs> Let's say you're filling out a bracket. 
how far do you have Indiana University going? <laughs> I mean, I'm 100% going to take them uh, to the second weekend. You know, I'll, I'll probably have them win three games. And I, I wouldn't put a, a, a real wager on it, but if I'm just filling out a bracket, I'd rather just see IU advanced a few times. And I want them to, so I might as well do that. I don't have a ton of belief in what, the way we're going to play right now. I'm nervous. Because I care. I'm nervous because I care. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You're one of us. You really are. For all your, you know, posturing and your negativity, you're just a fan who loves Indiana and wants them to go win another championship and go jump in Showalter Fountain. That's what you want. That, you know what? That's Dutch in a nutshell right there. <laughs> That's the name of the episode, Dutch in a Nutshell. Dutch in a Nutshell. Well, Dutch, I like it. always good having you on. The next time we do one of these, we could be talking about Indiana getting ready to play Cal- Calvin Sampson in the Sweet 16 which I really hope is the conversation we're having because the other conversation will not be a pretty one. <laughs> not, not, not that this hey, one what, was so pretty. Hey, either. what happened to our last segment? I like our, no, it wasn't that pretty. What was our, I, I liked our last segment that we've been doing. We're not doing that today. Oh yeah. You want to do you? I, I figured you were trying to get the hell out of here. You want some questions? Yeah. I mean, they gotta be the last time they weren't very good. I'm going to be honest with you. No, last time so they you were don't great. Have them, no, last time they were great. It led uh, to the Brian Shaw story. It led to the Larry Bird stories. Okay. No, that was great hey, stuff. Maybe that was the time before. Yeah, you're right. Yes. You're right. You're right. Dutch, Dutch, you said something to the effect of if you don't have them, as if we prepare these things ahead of time, and this time we didn't. No, no, this is this is all just going to be off the top of our heads. That's why it can fail so miserably, Brian Dutch. Evans. It's a high wire. Fair enough. Fair enough. Brian Dutch Evans, what is your favorite memory from the NCAA tournament as a player? You know, probably coming home. Um, probably coming home from Albuquerque. You know, headed to the Final Four, my first year, where. The fans were at the airport. They were, you know, lining up, you know, up on 37. Like it was, it was almost like we had won a title, and we were just going to the final four. And it was, you know, my first taste. But it was so cool, just to cut down, to see our guys cutting down nets, knowing we're going to the final four. That was awesome. Mm. Did you ever get into it with a coach of an opposing team? Was there ever a moment where a coach said something or you heard something on the bench and you did something, whether you talked or looked at him after you hit a three, ever an encounter with an opposing coach? No, no, not that I can think of. Mm. Okay. Um, We were respectful. You know, we were respectful. We weren't, we weren't talking trash and doing that kind of stuff. You know, it just didn't fit back then. And it was always kind of fun to, not to, not say anything, not to get in any barking matches, but just try to make shots and backpedal and you know stay quiet, yeah. humble. That was always more fun. It was like the you know, even though Bird was known to talk shit behind the scenes on the court, you could never tell what he was doing. I just thought he was just a silent assassin. I always liked that approach more. Sure. Okay. Okay. We're gonna take 
Indiana University out of the bracket for the purposes of this question. What team, not Indiana University, would you most like to see win the national championship this year? And which team would you most not like to see win the national championship this year? This is tough, man, because I'm not a huge hater. There's You get so many people that root for Indiana teams, and I, you've heard me say on here that I've been impressed with Purdue, and I like their style of ball, and I like Matt. And I cannot I cannot root for them to win, and it's more their fans than anything else. The fans that are – and they're not all obnoxious. They're not. But like 99% of them are. Yeah. And so I cannot root for them. I just can't. Uh, no. So, I'll, you know, if they got deep, I, if, if they're deep, I'm rooting for somebody else. I mean, I just, I have to, I can't, there's no way I can root for them. And I can't think of a team that I would really pull for, you know, prior to the tournament, which is, by the way, it's something I think is really cool. Like I'm going to watch a ton of games and as those stories start unfolding, right? So uh, there may be a team out there that I haven't watched a lot of, but, if I watch them, they win a couple games and they they win in some spectacular fashion. I might start rooting for that team, you know, mid tournament, where I'm not. I can't say I'm going in rooting for anybody other than us. Would you rather a team from the Big Ten win it than us? Like, are are, are you have conference pride like that? Do you think that's good, or would if any other Big Ten team is playing for the title, do you root against the the team from another conference? No, I, I would not root against the Big Ten. I, I, you know, I'll have feelings of shit. Why don't we just beat Iowa? You know, like, well, we didn't just beat Iowa. You know uh, what I'm saying? Yeah. If, if it's a team that we've played against and, and they go on a run, part of me would be like, gosh, well, we're good enough to be here too. But I'd get over that real quick and root for a Big Ten team for sure. I, you know, and yeah, I'm so tired of listening to Reese Davis. He cannot wait. Or no, who's the other Jack? Not Reese. Um, Seth. Seth Davis. Oh yeah, Seth Davis cannot wait to tell you that it's been since Michigan State is the last time the Big Ten has won. He loves saying that, so I, I would like to get that off of the Big Ten's back, get that monkey off their back. Yeah, if Indiana's not the team getting it off the back, I don't give a shit. I don't want anybody else in the Big Ten winning it. I, I don't want to deal with that. Really? I don't want to see. Yeah, no, I'm with I, Eric. I don't root for him. I don't care. I mean, I don't want Kentucky to win. I don't want Alabama to win. <laughs> I would not root for Kentucky. Right. I would not root for Kentucky over Illinois. Like, I, I wouldn't. I hate Kentucky. What if it was Kentucky versus Purdue? Who you... I would root for the ceiling to cave in. <laughs> well, maybe they should play in assembly hall then. Thank yeah. you. That is a good answer. That is, that is a really good answer. Yeah, I mean, I, I just – I wouldn't even watch that game. I couldn't. Oh, well, no way. Um, Here's a question for you. If you personally could have one game back – in your Indiana career, one game back and redo it. Which one would it be and why? Oh, that's easy. 93 against Kansas. Mm. Sure. But what would you, but like, but talk me through that because so much of that game was you were without Alan Henderson. And, and I mean, I know he tried to play, right. but he, you know, you, like if you had that game back to do again, what, what, 
Is there something that you've thought about since then or right afterwards that you wish you would have done? Did you not approach something the right way? Like, what is it that you would try to change in that game? Well, I was young and I was, you know, I just, I, I think I had a decent game. I think I had 10 and 10. As, as a matter of fact, I think I had a double-double in the game with a broken thumb and a little cast, a little makeshift cast on it. But it's not so much that. I did something wrong or I didn't have the right approach as much as, you know, I, I look back and like that's, that's where the stakes were the biggest. And so right. if you can get that game over, I, I think to beat them. And then you're in the final four. So, I mean, that's how cool the final four is and being a part of it, that that would be the game I'd want to try to go redo it. Man, they may beat us again, but I at least want to go try to kick their ass. Yeah, absolutely. I hate okay. Kansas. Yeah. Okay. One coach you could play for that you didn't get a chance to college or pro that is a great question ward thank you eric that is a good question um i would like to do one of each if you let me do one in college sure. one in pro i'll allow yeah. it um college is kind of a tie for me i, I would i guess i would have the station Oh. If you said I had one, but I, he and Roy Williams, I, I, both guys were just guys that, you know, just with sustained success. I know, I know Coach K did it a lot like the other Coach K. I still would have liked to sit up close, right, just to see how similar they were. And, you know, they've got such a, I mean, like or hate them, you got to respect what he built and the way he did it. Like, why don't you watch that dream team or that redeem team thing? I mean, it gives me the goosebumps. The way he motivates people, the you know he's got that military background. There, you know, being from Coach Knight's, you know, coaching tree, I would have liked to experience him up close and just see, you know, it, would that guy have pushed me harder than Coach did? I would just like to have seen it. Mm-hmm. Love Roy Williams too. Roy Williams, that game that we lost at Fog Allen, uh, my sophomore year, uh, it was a few days before Christmas. He comes in to our team dinner, and and just keep in mind we're like in the Holiday Inn you know, holodome eating at the restaurant coach and the staff, they're off eating somewhere good. And Roy Williams comes in and keep in mind, we've been getting, you know, it's pretty steady diet of waterboarding leading up to this game. And, uh, Roy Williams comes in with a big tray of cookies. And he, I mean, he couldn't have been more, you know, country bumpkin. He's, you know, just the nicest guy. And he says, you know, his wife, I forget her name, made these for you guys and make sure that this small plate gets up to Coach Knight's room. And But it's just huge tray of cookies, all this, like a platter for all of us. We and, you know, edibles. He gave you so a tray much, of edibles. Was, you guys are so California. Stop it. Um, <laughs> he comes up to me. This was just kind of random. He comes up from behind me. And you guys know my story. I didn't get recruited by anybody, right? right. Let alone programs like this. He comes up behind me. He's massaging my shoulders, and I'm thinking, this is crazy, right? And, and guys are back and talking to each other, back in conversation. He's already given us the cookies, and he's massaging my shoulders, and he leans down into my right ear, and he goes, I don't know what my dadgummit uh, assistant coaches were doing when they didn't recruit you, but boy, oh, boy, do I like watching you play. Wow. And I was like, it's not too late, man. You can get me out if there's a transfer. I'm just- <laughs> It was just cool. It was just cool that he did that. So I was, I've was i just always been a fan of his. 
And, you know, his teams were hard <laughs> to play against. Late. I mean, I think he's a, he was obviously a Hall of Famer. For a All second right. there, I thought you were going to say he slipped his, his hotel key into your pocket. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 502 at the Holodome. Uh, yeah, professional NBA, coach. NBA, for me, it's, it's, it's Pat Riley all day long. He nice. uh, he just – he would have – he's just the kind of guy that he recognized, you know, what I was good at and where my shortcomings were. He wasn't focused on it. I went down and did a workout for him the first time I was a free agent and stayed in Miami for about seven days. If I had a do-over, I would have just begged him to, you know, put me on the roster. I'll take the minimum. You know, nobody's going to outwork me. Yeah, he, he just he, – he kind of spoke our language, if you know what I mean. Just yeah. you're going to work your ass off. He didn't – No, he wasn't acquiescing to, to Kareem or Magic. That dude runs the program. He is in charge at all times, and I could get on board with that. You know, I was so used to that from playing for coach that I would have – I think I would have flourished under somebody like him, just being on his roster, being around him every day. And just a guy that, you know, he, he just saw me for what I was instead of trying to think of what I wasn't. He was really, really complimentary of me when I was down there. And, um, it got, if I had to do over, I'd have been pushing really, really hard. Just to just give me one year and give me a chance. Cause you know, I'll be a good locker room guy, a good practice guy. You won't have to worry about me being an idiot. And I think I would have got on the court. So that's the guy I would have loved to play for just cause he's hardcore demanding. And, and that's, that's, what worked best with me. I have two questions and I'm not sure which one I want to ask. So I'll ask them both and you can decide which one you want to answer. Okay. Okay. Number one is the flip side of Ward's question. Give me a coach in college and a coach in the pros that if you had to play for them, you would have rather quit playing. Or, or the other question is, we've heard so many cool stories about Coach Knight bringing in different people that were just around the program, whether it be, you know, uh, Iba or uh, Bill Parcells or Tony LaRussa or whoever it was. Very cool stories of just weird people from outside the world of basketball or luminaries from the world of basketball that, that, players at Indiana got to be exposed to because they were friends with coach Knight. Do you have a singular story about one person that stands out in your mind? Man, there's a, t- the, so the, answer to the first question, um, probably Lou Henson. I just, I, I, there was nothing to like about Illinois back then. And I yeah. just, I, the Lou do, I couldn't do it. Just, just I, I wouldn't have quit instead of, I would have played for him before I quit, but I wouldn't have liked it. Okay, fair. Um, so many good people, so many cool people that I, I just you couldn't even believe it. You know, like Costas was really good. I'm not a huge fan of his anymore, but I, I liked him at the time. For him to come in and talk was cool. Um, Johnny Bench, mm-hmm. just so many cool names. Jim Nance was awesome. He, you know, I, I got four or five different conversations with Jim Nance. Who, I mean, now now I'm like, God, he was a young guy and was so cool that. I, I got to know him. I'm such a huge Masters fan. I'm like, I can't believe that Jim – I know Jim Nance. Like I, I was walking down the street, the Big Ten tournament, probably 15 years ago, and, like, leaving Kilroy's half-baked, going back to uh, Conseco. <laughs> and I hear somebody go, 
Brian, Brian Evans, hey! I turn on his Jim Nance. He's jogging down the street in his Navy blazer to come up, catch up and talk to me. And I was like, man, how cool is that? And I told him how much I love the Masters, and I, I was getting ready to make a trip down there for the first time. I said, I, I can't wait. You know, it'll be my first time. And he goes, hey, come see me in the Tower on 18. When I wrap up the end of the day, mm. come and see me. I can show you around. Oh, That was awesome. Did wow. you? Um, did you? Uh, yeah, I hung around and said hi to him. We he had to wait a long time for him to climb out of there. Yeah. Um, and I didn't get a tour or anything. I was with some knuckleheads, and I, it would have been hard for him to do anything. It was dark. Um, but, no, he did offer. That was so cool. That's very um, cool. Parcells was cool. You know, that Parcells was such a huge personality, so much like Coach Knight. Just him and Bilder, he had a, a presence like very few. Like, Coach had that kind of presence. Like, you could just feel his energy in the building. Parcells yeah. was like that. It's just He's giving coach shit. He's barking at coach and telling coach to stick it up his ass. And just, he was just <laughs> a presence. Uh, so he That's was kind of awesome. cool. Um, D Wayne Lucas was cool. He, mm, I mean, oh, wow. he was just a cool breeze. We're in the, we're, you know, we're in the locker room underground and he's wearing these dark shades and just a cool breeze and about a $50,000 outfit and <laughs> probably a million dollars in jewelry and wearing some shades, you know, inside. Um, awesome. There were there were so many cool people he brought around us that that I just still can't believe. I, one of the coolest ones for me was my our first road trip. So the the night before in the hotel is when he asked me. I, I've told you the story. Asked me if I was interested in redshirting. Right. That was before us playing um, UCLA in that Hall of Fame kickoff. Yep. It was called Hall of Fame kickoff. And um, he introduced us. To, he brought in the locker room uh, Red Auerbach. And that was oh, unbelievable as oh a my God. kid that was a, yeah, in Springfield. So for him to come in and it was later in life, I mean, I think his health was not, you know, I'd have to look at when he passed, but he, he seemed old, but just to hear his voice and for him to address the team for me was a thrill. Do you think he smoked more cigars than Eric? Ooh, you guys would have loved him. Wow. That's a good oh, question. Man. I think, yeah, he's won. He well, he's won a lot more than Eric. I know that. <laughs> By the way, he 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 hung around a little bit. He passed away in two thousand six. So you had a good decade wow. after that. Plus, wow, yeah, that would have been ninety two. Yeah, well, ninety one. That'd have been ninety one. He came to the Jewish Community Center in St. Louis to do a speech where I played basketball. And my dad, who, of course, was obsessed with Bobby Knight, but also really obsessed with Red Auerbach and Larry Bird and Bill Russell and the Celtics. And my dad had the cigar store and brought a box of cigars and handed it to Red Auerbach at the book signing. Like it was a book signing. He had a, his his autobiography and he goes up to him and and Red's like, do you have a book to sign? And my dad's like, no. He's like, but I thought I'd bring you these cigars. And Red like lit up and gave him a big handshake and thank you. And that was a big moment for my dad. Your dad should have had him sign a cigar oh, box. Yeah, he should have. Yeah. But giving cigars to Red Arbach. That's, that's cool. a good story. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, this worked again. I mean, that's two in a row that I think were pretty good. Yeah, that was fine. You guys, I can't remember when you bombed it. There's one that Ward couldn't frame the question. You remember that? Yeah, I, no, yeah. I don't. Yeah. Nope. Doesn't sound right to me. <laughs> I do 
think, though, that we should submit to podcast awards. There are some podcast awards. I think we should submit the segment of us doing the live auction. <laughs> we lost. The, hey, nobody's listening right now. We lost them. But when we did that, it's over. That We're was, literally just talking to each other now. That was sensational. That was my favorite. All right, Brian. Well, listen, I'm sorry. Dutch, we will be back bothering you to talk to you next week, hopefully after two huge wins. Um, also, let me get a quick prediction. How far is the IU women's basketball team going? It's you got to get they got to get to the final four. That that would be too cool. I, I think they will, and I'm rooting for them. I I, I think that's I think they're this team is destined, man. I, I really think this team could win it. I really do. I mean, the only team that I've seen that is just ridiculous. I don't know how much I don't watch a lot of women's hoops, but we would have to play perfect basketball to beat South Carolina. I think they're going to win it all. Right. Getting to the final four, though, I mean, that is – that's yeah. the high water mark. I mean, obviously, they winning the championship is everything, but final four would be just a game changer, a total game changer for this program. I mean, it really would be. Well, Dutch, yeah, for sure. a true pleasure, as always. Let us all hope that the next time we have you on the show – we're all in a really, really great mood, and we're talking about the Sweet 16. Against Calvin. I love it. That was a guest. That was a guest. All right. Well, listen, that was a good kind of overview of what's been going on with the program. It is a very weird feeling. Last year, Ward, I don't know if this was like it for you as I try to kind of like um, place myself back last year. You and I watched Selection Sunday together, mm -hmm. and we were just so excited that we were likely going to the tournament. Yeah. And we did have to have that amazing, you know, two-game stretch where we beat Michigan and then beat Illinois, two teams that were definitely going to the tournament to get us there. But we felt good about getting there. And so when we got in, even though it was a play-in game, we were just so excited. And we did have this stretch of games even the Iowa game, let's bring up the Iowa game, where we played very well in that Iowa game. They beat us on a buzzer beater. It felt like we were playing better at the end of last season than we are right now. A hundred percent. And and hundred percent agree. And the the elation that should have been felt getting into the tournament was tempered by it being a first four in and being like, mm, you know, we were we're better than that. Not by much, but that we shouldn't have had to do that. But you know despite you being there, we won that game too. So it was like yeah. winning, you know, three out of four when the proper tournament started. Uh, I, I think we felt better, certainly going to Dayton than we feel after these last eight games, you know, and, and even just looking at the last three games, Maryland was cool, but it's been boxed in by, uh, you know, just, not great performances. Yeah, I think it's a it's a really interesting point because I want to just go back and look at the end of last year because if I remember correctly, it didn't end great until the Big Ten tournament. Like, we kind of shat the bed at the end of last year as well because didn't we lose to Rutgers at the end of the year? Yeah, we lost to Rutgers and Purdue. I mean, my God, we lost. <laughs> I mean, this is crazy. Last year, we lost seven of our last nine games before the Big Ten tournament. Oof. I mean, we were seven and four in the Big Ten, 11 games in, and we finished nine and 11. 
So we were not playing good basketball at all. And then something clicked with the Michigan game at halftime, obviously. And then Illinois, we played really well. And then we lose at a buzzer beater to Iowa, who ends up winning the Big Ten tournament. It did feel better. And, Ward, I think it was more celebratory because we were back in the thing that we hadn't been in in so long. And that is the low water mark for success at Indiana. Like, it's it's the, it's the given that has to happen, yeah. but it hadn't been. And this year, we all expected to be, of course, we're going to be in the tournament. We're going to get a high seed. We just haven't had a good stretch of basketball. Um, and we haven't, even the Michigan and Illinois games. I mean, I was at the Michigan game. You and I were at the Illinois game together. It wasn't elation in either one of those games because we know we didn't play great. You know, and we knew we were playing against teams that were not great. I was elated at the oh, end of the true. Illinois you game. Were. That moment we were, the moment of winning. But when you when you really look at the game, you're like, we beat Illinois by a bucket when they had a chance to win the game at the end at home. And Michigan, we had to go to overtime. It's just not the super confident feeling you want heading into the tournament. No, they've given us no reason to be super confident, slightly optimistic that we can piece a couple games together against teams that are, are seated lower than us and and to be able to get into the second weekend. And it's, it is really difficult to, to take a step back and be like the trajectory of the last couple years. And we're clearly a better team this year than we were last year. We, we, there's this is this is the best team we've had since Tom Crean's second to last year. And so it's it's yeah, confusing, yeah. confounding, frustrating not to just be rah rah, here we go. We're gonna put it all together now. But that's not our fault. That's not our fault. If we'd won six out of these last eight games or 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 maybe even you know uh if if we'd won five out of the eight but but those five came towards the end of this last stretch but it's just like no we've been a 500 team now for eight games and and whether it be game to game half to half five to ten minute stretch to five ten ten minute stretch we don't know what we're gonna see and that's that that is a real preventative when it comes to like letting your mind just kind of wander and imagine what could happen. Because when we won out of eight, eight out of nine games, we we're like, Oh, then, then, then our fantasies could really start to go uh, in all those crazy directions of a final four run. But I, I haven't had those kind of fantasies for a while. Yeah. I, <laughs> And you know what? I agree with you. We are clearly a better team than we were last year. I mean, and mostly because of Jalen hood Shafino and Trace's continued dominance. That said, I don't feel confident in any part of this year's team as much as I did the defense of last year's team. Good point. At the end of last year, I really felt like St. Mary's excluded – and there were a lot of, I think, extenuating circumstances with that one. But sure. it just felt like our defense is going to keep us in every game. Yeah, You know, like no matter who we play, even in the Big Ten tournament, it's like they're not going to run away from us. You know, we're going to be able to bother them. And then if we hit some shots and Trace has a good game and Xavier starts hitting, which he was, like we could do something. I don't feel confident in any part of this year's team as much as I did the defense last year. And that's what I think scares me about this first round game 
against Kent State, a team that, lo and behold, has some connection to Indiana, both from a broad macro standpoint over the last 20-plus years and a micro standpoint from this year. The macro is, of course, a few things. One, the last time we went to the Final Four, we had to beat them to get to the Final Four. Yep. That was a revenge game because they beat us the year before. Mm-hmm. We've talked extensively about both of those games with people like Dane Fife, yep. you know, and Jared Jeffries. So Kent State has a history with playing Indiana in the NCAA tournament. And then, of course, the storyline that we talked about with Dutch of Rob Senderhoff, the other axis of evil who helped ruin the program at Indiana who is the only other person besides Calvin Sampson that got hit with a show cause penalty by the NCAA. So he had to justify that the NCAA should allow him back in after a certain point in time. And he's coaching Kent State. And of course, they play in the MAC against Ball State and our next guest to talk about Kent State. Who could possibly know them better and have a deeper connection to Indiana University than this dude? Bonzi Wells? <laughs> Bonzi was unavailable. And so, let's get to our next guest. Here comes a guest. Here comes a guest. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, he's getting ready to step into the ring with the hysterics. What heavyweight guest do we have here today, Eric? I mean, there's no one better to talk about what's going on in Indiana and to check in with this guy because he's a friend of ours. We love him. We followed him all year. He is second all-time in assists at Indiana. He did go to the NCAA tournament every year he was at Indiana. He did, as he has pointed out to me, never lose to Northwestern when he was at Indiana, amongst (laughs) a bunch of other things. Please welcome the man, the myth, the legend, the head coach of the Ball State Cardinals, who had their best year in well over a decade, Michael Lewis. Yeah, yeah. you know you don't want to talk about that, so you just want to dive right into it or like... No, 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 no come on. No, look, on. look, first of all, it's it's great to see you. It's great to see you in red, no matter what that red represents. Um, Coach... The the season's over, I'm sure sooner than you would have liked, but no doubt it was a big step forward for the program. Tell us how you're feeling about your Ball State Cardinals. Well, um, you know, any any finish is, is too abrupt, right? Like you just – you don't like how it finishes. You don't like how it ends. But, you know, I think when you look um, big picture, what these guys were able to accomplish this year was um, was really good. I mean, I think we took – I think they took the program, made a huge step. Um, you know, able to get to 20 wins, which, you know, is only the 13th time in 102 years that that's happened here. So I think they should be commended for that. Wow. Um, but more importantly, um, I, what I think they accomplished, they reestablished Ball State. Um, they reestablished some excitement here on campus about the basketball program. Uh, they reestablished some pride in the program, not only here on campus, but throughout the state, you know, uh, um, can't tell you how many times former alumni have reached out and just, you know, they're, <clears throat> they're proud to wear their, you know, their ball state sweatshirt or their gear around, you know, Indianapolis or wherever they are. Um, you know, so just kind of re- reconnected some alums and the pride in the program. And, and, uh, it's kind of, kind of what I talked about when I was able to get this job was, 
you know, if you play good basketball, you play it the right way, you're competitive, uh, you put it all out there, um, you know, the people within the state will, will support it. And, and uh, we saw um, four of the largest crowds in the last 15 years, the other two when when Butler came to play at Worthen after the uh, the two Final Fours. So there's some excitement. Uh, like I said, reestablish some pride and, and uh, we got to take advantage of that momentum. But it was overall um, a really good year by our team. It just, you know, endings are never, never easy. How much of that uh, excitement that manifested itself in bigger crowds was due to the play on the court? And how much was due to you buying beer for students? Well, you know, the the, the party planner thing took off a little bit, you know, yeah. it took off. Um but hey, you know, like whatever it takes, right? Like whatever it takes to to uh, create some excitement, and and I think um, you know, getting some people in the building, and then uh, you know, the, the the level that these guys played at and competed at, you know, had them come back. And so um, you got to do whatever it takes at different times to make things happen. And um, you know, I was uh, really really excited about the response we got from the students, especially, and and then the community. Uh, getting behind this team is pretty cool to see that stuff kind of grow as the season went on. You've seen some of the very best to ever do it, run their own program. You just spent your first season running your own program for the first time. What was the biggest surprise? It was a long year. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's, it's everything. I, everything I thought like it, um, you know, it's obviously some days are better than others, um, but it, uh, you know, I, I talked to, I haven't had an AD all year. I've had an interim AD. I'm uh, actually next Monday, I'll be on my third AD in less than a year. Uh, you know, the one that hired me left to go to Iowa, I've had an interim AD and then um, kicking off uh, a new one next Monday. Um, we were sitting back going through the season and, and uh, you know, everything that goes with it, but it sure beats working. I know that. Sure, be <laughs> the only thing that could be better is is being a producer. I think maybe that might be a little bit, a little bit easier. But no, yeah. it, it's it's yeah. a lot of it's a lot of fun uh, when you when you get a group. And we had a good group. You get a group that's that's um, about the right things and 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 chasing, uh, you know, a common goal. They they were they were a lot of fun to work with. And like I told them after after our last game, like <clears throat> you know, there are, I got a lot of colleagues that are that are in their first year as well. And, and um, you're always going to remember, you remember every team, but you're always going to remember your first one. And, and um, you know, I get to remember mine, you know, for the, for the right reasons. These guys were, were really fun to, to work with and, and did a lot for uh, our program and our university. The best coaches continue to learn, even when they're, you know, well into their careers, they're tweaking what they do. They add some new wrinkle. Uh, this was your first year as a head coach. Can you pinpoint one thing? I'm sure you learned many things, but like what's one thing that you can think about that you learned from this last year that maybe you didn't know before or something that got honed a little bit more? Well, I hope, I hope I'm, I'm going to be a much better coach next year than I was this year. You know, I, I, I really do. Like, I think, um, you know, you go through a season and you end up learning more from your players than, than they do from, from you. It's just, mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of backwards, but you, you learn so much. Um, and, and I think, you know, as, as anytime you go in, uh, to a new situation, uh, we, we spend a lot of time trying to establish how we want to play, um, you know, and, and, um, you know, a level of accountability, 
and you know just you know those things that um, you're trying to establish your program and um, you know I think that just learning from that uh, it, it helped being around Mick uh, when we took over at UCLA because um, other other places I had been I I joined a staff that had been a part of that university for several years and, and those things were already in place. And so being around Mick when we took over at UCLA and kind of how he went about that was kind of how I modeled what we wanted to do here. And you kind of learn what, you know, what your hard limits are, you know, what, what you're going to accept, what you're not going to accept um, and what you tolerate and, and not tolerate. And you kind of grow with that. But we, like I said, we had a, we had a really good team, um, you know, from that standpoint, as far as we didn't have to spend a lot of days coaching effort, you know, and if you get a coach basketball, uh, you can grow throughout the year. And I thought, I thought this team grew from the time we got together um, until the end, um, probably about as much as 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 any teams that I've been a part of. And kind of reminded me of that first year at UCLA, where you know things, you know that that team grew throughout the season uh, a great deal. And and uh, I thought this team did as well. And then you know we just had some unfortunate injuries there late that didn't allow us to play to full strength, and and um, just didn't have enough down the stretch. But it, overall, really good year. What do you think moving forward, five, ten, twenty years down the line, when you think back to your first team, what's what's a fondest memory you'll hold? But twenty on years to? down the line, I hope I'm not doing this anymore. I hope <laughs> I hope to be sitting on a beach with you guys smoking a cigar somewhere. But yeah, I like um, that. Well, not, then what? You know, I think just, you know, when you go, it's, it's really not the games. I mean, it's, it's all the other stuff that you, you know, like you'll remember, you know, and um, you know, like, you know, in our instance, you know, it's bus rides, you know, it's not exactly plane rides, it's bus rides, you know, or, or meetings or, you know, you know, things that happen in walkthroughs or different things. I, I just, I'll just be re remember these, these guys as, as how much they grew, how much they changed. Um, you know, and change, change isn't easy for anybody, especially young people these days. They're just, they're not equipped to handle it maybe as, as easily as future gen or uh, earlier generations had. But, um, you know, just their, the way they adapted, the way they accepted our staff and how we wanted to operate and, and just bought in. And, and uh, it was good to see them experience the success that they had. How did you deal with um, the pressure of being head coach? You know, I remember... I don't look at it like that, man. I, like, okay. is it coaching a game? You know, like, I mean, pressure is, you know, performing open heart surgery or something like, I mean, or that's pr pressure. producing an episode of carpool karaoke. Right. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, maybe something. Yeah. Similar, I guess. Similar. Yeah. That, that and open heart surgery are yeah. similar. You know, like I, I don't, you know, like this is, this is, this is a game. This is basketball. This is, you know, like I, I said earlier, it sure beats working. You know, I don't, um, you know, I, I got a, I got an opportunity to um, do something I love. I've been able to turn it into a career. I get to use it to try to help, you know, people get better prepared for life. And, and uh, you know, hopefully the guys that leave our program, um, you know, feel like, you know, they're better prepared for being a part of our program, you know, for what life is not easy, man. Like you're going to get hit with all kinds of different things. It's how you respond, how you learn and grow from it. Uh, you can't throw in the towel. And, and uh, <clears throat> you know, I, I hope, I hope these guys get as much out of being a part of our program as, as I did the one that I was a part of and, and hopefully the one that I'm leading now. Okay. I I've got one last question about your program uh, and uh, one specific performer, their performances, and there's a great legacy there. I mean, we all know that at one point 
Jeremiah Johnson wore the Carl the Charlie the Cardinal outfit. Okay, a legendary Charlie the Cardinal, Jeremiah Johnson of the Pacers. How was it, Charlie the Cardinal, this year? Were you happy? Did you have to, you know, get involved with that, or did he and or she just do their own thing? Well, I'm not sure. It's a male or female bird. Um, but, but gender Char- neutral. Gender, gender neutral. neutral bird could be Charlotte. Uh, Char- Charlie is uh, very energetic, uh, all about the Cardinals. I, um, but it's, I, I, it won't respond to me. You know, <laughs> you know high fives, hugs, you know the the whole thing. Um, but when I try to pick Charlie's brain, Charlie doesn't respond to me. We're not part of the relationship. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. Uh, before I get into the NCAA tournament, I do have this question. I'm a fan of Ball State gear. I like the Ball State gear. I'm, in fact, wearing. Boom. That's a great shirt. I got that shirt. Great shirt. Ball State shirt with my Indiana. I have to be. I got to yeah, yeah. do both. I can't. But you're wearing a very nice hoodie. Yeah. But here's my question. What's going on with the there's no strings, there's no rope in the you pull it out? What happened? <laughs> I didn't even notice that. It's gone. <laughs> it's gone. Ball state, is that a fashion statement or it just got caught in the laundry? Uh odds are it got caught in the laundry, but I, yeah. I don't yeah, it shows um, how much I pay attention. Right? Yeah, I do like the hoodie though. Yeah. It's a fantastic yeah. hoodie. It's one of my favorites. Got the dancing Charlie on it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a medium. I'm a medium, by the way. Are you though? Are you? (laughs) All right. Let's get to this. Michael, you played in a very tough conference this year with a lot of really good basketball teams. Toledo, Ohio, Buffalo, Akron. And of course, the team that won the MAC tournament is a team that only lost six games this year. They were only beaten by six teams. One of them was the Ball State Cardinals. But they are an excellent team. They were favored to win the conference from the beginning, and that, of course, is Kent State. Uh, look, we're not going to do a full scouting report here, but you did have to face them two times this year. You watched a lot of film on them. Indiana fans are obviously anxious as hell to play this team in a 4-13 game. What are Indiana fans going to see with a Kent State basketball team? Well, you know, I, one, they, they're, they're well coached. Um, and, and they're, they're not overly big, but they're physical, they're tough. Like, um, they will not be intimidated. Uh, like they, they don't care if you have Indiana on your chest. They didn't care when they walked into Houston and Gonzaga, like they don't, that's, they're not those type of dudes. They don't care. And so they're not going to be intimidated at all. Um, matter of fact, they will do everything in their power to try and intimidate Indiana. And that's, that's just, they, that's who they think they are. You know, it's not a disrespect thing. It's just who they think they are. Like, they're a very confident group. Um, you know, Sincere Carey, their point guard, was player of the year in the league a year ago um, and a first-team all-league guy uh, this year. Um, he's quick with the ball, uh, shoots it um, okay, but really good in the mid- mid-range and getting into the, uh, the paint. Um, you know, his three-point percentage is, is um, you know, not the greatest, but he – he he's got knack for hitting the big ones. Um, you know, that like Malik Jacobs is an all league level defender, you know, on the perimeter, a uh, good, strong defender. Uh, Mon Cameron Davis is a, a strong athletic wing. Uh, Myron Thomas is a kid that, that was on the roster here at ball state and transferred um, 
uh, excellent shooter. Uh, really can stretch the floor from the four spot. Um, you know, so he can cause some problems in some matchups if you if you don't handle him the right way because he can really make shots. Um, you know, Hornbeak on the middle, like he he's a big, strong kid. Uh, he's not Trace. You know, he's he's not Trace, but um, and he just kind of fits. You know what they do um, very well. Like he he's the perfect kind of complement to them. Now they have a, a a young man uh, named Peyton that comes off the bench uh, in his spot who is um, uber athletic like crazy athletic from the five position. Um, they've got a guard Solinger comes in off the bench that provides shooting. Um, they're just, they're, they're, they're for our level. They're a really good basketball team. Uh, they went toe to toe with Houston. They went toe to toe with um, Gonzaga. Like they, they, you know, when and I watch those people, games were on the road, like yeah, I played I, it. Like, yeah. When right. I watched them play um, Houston, uh, they, they, I, they were as tough if not out tough Houston. And that's as difficult a thing to do in college basketball. So, um, you know, now do they have um, the overall depths and um, all that stuff that Indiana has? No, um, you know, are, but are they good enough to beat them on one night if things go, go well? Yeah. Like we saw it last year, like we had a good UCLA team and we had our hands full with Akron. And so right. it, it, it can happen if you're not, if you're not wired up to play the right way. Could you kind of nutshell how Kent State plays on both ends of the floor? What's, I mean, obviously tough and physical, but, you know, they're doing a lot of switching down on the defending end. What, what What's their offense? They've done a little bit like? of everything. They've done a little bit of everything on the post. Like, they'll, they'll, they can double the post. Um, they've doubled um, from the passer. They've doubled, doubled from the other big. Uh, they mix it up there. They, if there's a strength of their team, it's their defense. Um, you know, they're very good defensively. Uh, their, their numbers support that. Um, but, it, and it's just their, their overall athleticism, their ball screens, um, they get out, they're aggressive, hard hedging, you know, so you gotta be able to handle that. Um, and, and you gotta be able to get rid of the basketball. Um, I thought this, that's the time that we beat them. We did a much better job of handling their ball screen coverage and we're able to spread them out and attack, attack them. Um, that way we were able to get two to the ball and get rid of it. And then we're able to attack them in some rotations, um, which I thought helped us. And then we may, you know, we were able to make some shots. So you're going to have to make some shots, but uh, they're aggressive defensively. And that is the strength of their team. Do they sacrifice anything on defense? Are they willing to give something up in exchange for not giving something up? Do they, do they give up threes? Uh, they, they, try to turn you, they try to turn you over. They're aggressive. They, they, try, to, they try to turn you over. Like they, they attack, um, they go af after you when you put them in ball screen actions. Um, they have some length and athleticism that can do that. Um, and they do a pretty good job of reading out of that. Um, but they're just, they're, they're just a, a, a for our level, a big, strong athletic defensive team that, that, um, can give you some problems. Now, um, I like, I like how, um, Shafino has been playing as of late and what I've been able to watch. I think he's, he's really improved throughout the year. I think he seems to be very comfortable. Um, and he's a bigger guard that can see over some of that stuff, which I think can help. Um, I think, you know, like with, you know, trace being trace, I think is something that um, they, they can attack and wear them down over the course of 40 minutes. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't freak out if this game is tied at half. I wouldn't, I mean, I'd be, but are you, you know, you putting fouls on on their bigs, or you getting into their bench, or that you wearing them down, and just you know, over the course of forty minutes, you know, just 
where they don't have enough, you know, throughout the game. But like, don't don't freak out about anything early. Um, you know, you just methodically, you know, try to try to beat them. You know, um, and no, don't don't try to hit a ton of home runs or anything like that. Because if you do and get loose, and they can attack you and turn it into points. Are they a team that likes like I saw the the score? I know Houston likes to play a kind of rock fight game. I think the score was like 49, 44. Yeah. But even the Gonzaga, who likes to play up tempo, it looked like to me it was a fairly low scoring game, 73 to 66 at Gonzaga, which is not where Gonzaga likes to play. Are they a team that wants to keep the score low? Do they play mm. slow? Um, you know, maybe in a in a matchup like that. Uh, that's how they felt like they had to win. They averaged about 75 points a game, I think, on the season, or at least when we okay. played second time. Um, they try to turn their defense into easy points. You know, like it's like don't be scared to get in a half court game with them. Like it, you know, don't like we, you know, I, I forget what the score was of our our second game. I probably pull that up here. Um, yeah, well, we we scored eighty two to seventy, which you know I'm surprised we scored eighty two points on them. Um, yeah, you really. But, and what was it in that game that allowed you? That was we a scored lot of fifty. The, we we scored fifty the second half. Wow. And what, what did you do in that second half? Uh, we were able to, we, we attacked them better out of ball screens, were able to spread them out, made some shots. Like what would we, how many, we only made seven threes. Um, got to the foul line. Yeah. 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 We got, which is, that's what we did all year, but we, you know, we made, we made them. So we were, I think we were top 10 in the country. Get to the and how many turnovers did you limit your turnovers? Um. Yeah. Well, we had 12. But I think that's we not had, bad against that I, team. Well, we had we had one. We dribbled out the clock at the end of the game, so there's one. I think we right. had two other ones. I think we had nine and a half, and only three the second half. If I remember. Wow. Right. Okay. So, so there is a team where taking care of the ball is. Yeah, you got to take care of the ball. You got to get shots. You can attack them. Get them to the foul line. That's what we got them in some foul trouble. Um, you know, and 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 uh, we were able to get to the line and we, and we converted them. So uh, you got to be able to spread. Like I said, you got to be able to spread them out and attack. Uh, closeouts and and off the dribble and and create things at the rim and and just get into their bench a little bit. It sounds like we should be expecting that double team for Trey's and that you know not necessarily no no I mean I, I think you're going to see a little bit of everything like 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 they've seen all year like they'll you know like they'll, some teams will double Trey some some won't like I think they're going to mix it up I don't think you're going to get a steady dose of of any one thing okay um, you know I think they're going to try to. Um, you know, try to keep people, try to keep Indiana off balance with some of that stuff. You know, like, like I said, they're not, they're not going to be scared. Like they don't care. Like it's just their mentality. It's why they are who they are. Like they, they're not going to care that Trace Jackson Davis is an All-American. They don't care. They, they're going to act like they don't know who he is. That's just <laughs> who's part of who they. That's a pretty good are. quality in a team. I mean, you got to like yeah. that, especially when you're the underdog. Like to not be intimidated is such a big part of it. I mean, it's like Mike Tyson won a lot of fights before he ever got in the ring. Right. No. You no. Know? Exactly. And there, you know, but Mike Tyson, you know, everybody's got a plan until you get punched in the mouth. You yeah. know. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's it's just kind of who they are. It's 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 um, you know, I think they've won twenty games a year, like eight out of like eight out of the last nine years or something like. Um, you know, I, I know Rob had his deal in Indiana that some Indiana fans probably, you know, aren't super excited about, but like, correct. you know, he's kind of, he's, he's resurrected his career. He does a really good job at Kent State. He's built, built a good program where they've been successful, uh, for a number of years. So, um, they, they, they'll be well prepared. Um, 
And, and like I said, they're not going to be scared. And then, you know, you got to go out and, and play. No, go ahead, Ward. Oh, I was just going to say that I'm terrified. <laughs> no, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, I, I, I think this is a game that, um, you know, Indiana wins, you know, eight, nine times out of 10 is you just okay. got that one or two. Uh, because I'm pretty sure this is true. I think I read it in the NCA bylaws because you are second all time in assists. You are allowed to provide an assist to Indiana. You can actually come and be on the bench for this game and provide all of your scouting reports and all of the tape and all the breakdowns that's allowed. I believe has somebody talked to you about that? You know, I, you know, I, I, I think, uh, I think those guys have it under control. You know, I okay. think, I think they've had a, a good year. They've got a, a good, uh, a good coaching staff. Um, they've got a number of guys over there. So I think together that they can, uh, <laughs> they can figure it out. I, I look at our, I look at my bench here and I, then I look at the, the suits over there that they got, they got a few more for a few more we bodies do. over there. I think they'll be able to figure it out. I don't think they need my help. All how, right. Well. How is that going from a super big time program like UCLA with all the bells and whistles uh, surrounding it? And then, you know, here you're, you're at ball state and you got to do more with less. Has that been a transition for you or because this is your first time as a head coach or you're like, Oh yeah, this is, what I uh, expect, probably, probably a little bit of both, but I, I'll say this: like we did not have a large staff at UCLA. We probably had the smallest staff um, in the country from a power power five perspective. Um, you know, like that's just you know that's how that's who Mick was. He didn't you know he's like hey, you know I got I got three assistants and I got TJ and Nate and I guess like we don't need any more than that. Like, and you you look at some of these these staffs and there's you know nine ten people deep and and uh, you know it's just a it's a personal preference of what you want and and uh you know for mick um you know he he wanted to make sure the message that he wanted delivered uh was being delivered he didn't want it watered down and, and so he you know he knew and trusted that you know what you know what he was telling to us and telling the players was getting reinforced through us he didn't have to worry about you know by three or four people remove what's actually being said to your your players and so um that was just a personal preference so it like really we have you know, I, I've got a, a assistant to the head coach and three assistants and two GA. So, you know, we're not rolling super deep either. And, and um, you know, like it's, you know, I was, I was pleased with what we were able to get done uh, with the staff that we had this year. Yeah. Uh, I, so I wanted to go back and ask you again about Kent state. There was a, a little um, you talked about how they're not intimidated. There was something in one of your games with them that got reported on the broadcast that there was a bit of like a, confrontation in the layup line it got reported on the on the broadcast um you know maybe some simple jaw jacking back and forth but is that a little bit of first of all was that what did happen there and and is that a little bit of what you're talking about with they're not yeah. a team that's intimidated yeah, they, they're just they're not going to be scared you know and, and um you know they we we had a small physical altercation that led to some what would you call jaw jacking Jawjacking is what jaw I called jacking. it. Yeah, I like yeah. that. I might have to. Yeah. You can use that. Use, sure. Pretty good. Jaw, jaw jacking. Um, <laughs> now there was a small um, physical altercation that turned into some jaw jacking. Like I don't really know if we ever get to the, you know, got a lot of fake tough guys sometimes. You know, right. Um, but no, that's that's just part of you know who they are, right? Um, 
And so I, I think one of our guys in the layup line crossed over the other side of half court and, and uh, they physically put them back on our side of half court. And then there was some talking. Um, <laughs> See, now I would think because of the way you played the game and what I remember of how tough of a guy you were, I would imagine that you kind of respect that toughness. Uh, uh, that well, kind I, of I don't thing. I don't think there's any place in it necessarily for like in that instance, like I saw the video, I saw the clip of it later, like I was more disappointed in, in how we reacted. Um, okay. not, not, you know, we did some jaw jacking, but then when the ball got went up, you know, we didn't we didn't respond and we didn't compete the way that we jaw. That was in the first game. Yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. We did more jaw jacking than playing in game one. And, um, you know, I thought we handled things uh, much better, obviously, in game two is why we were able to. Sure to win by a pretty good margin. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's all part of it, man. It's all fun and games. Yeah. Speaking of fun and games, it is March madness. You as a head coach of a division one program, do you have time or the inclination to print out a bracket and fill it out? Do you, do you like to get into that or are you going to just be watching this game purely as a coach looking to see what other teams are doing. Oh, like unfortunately I I you know for me to be a part of this year's tournament I have to fill out a bracket. You know. It's a hell of a lot better when you're you're getting ready to and you you basically miss most of the tournament cuz you're scouting, you know, your future opponents or preparing for a game and you you don't even realize that some of these other games are going on. Um and it's that's that's much more enjoyable for me than to you know sit back here and and um watch all this stuff, but I watch a lot of games, um, you know, from a coach standpoint. Um, but, uh, you know, on what is it Friday night, I think is it Friday night. Yeah. Indiana's game. Yeah. Friday night. Um, that, that could be the one game that I watch a little bit more from a fan perspective because of the obvious connection. I would also imagine you're following UCLA pretty closely. They've had a pretty remarkable year winning the first outright Pac-10, Pac-12 championship, Pac-10, dating myself there, um, in, in a decade, um, ranked in the top five virtually all year, I think maybe got a little bit hosed because of the Pac-12 um, bias that exists in the media and, and got the two seed. But have you been able to to stay in touch with your old boss, Mick, and, uh, and what's that been like throughout the year watching many of the guys that you coached from afar? It's cost me some hours of sleep, you know, but like <laughs> that's the other thing as, as being a head coach, you don't, you don't sleep quite as well. So you're up a little bit more, but um, it's been a lot of fun to watch them. And and I think um, down the stretch of the season, they were playing as well as anybody in the country, um, you know, and then, you know, obviously with, with, with J-Rock getting hurt um, and then, you know, Bona again in the, in the PAC 12 tournament, you know, you know, those things, can, can really kind of derail, you know, the, the momentum that you have, but, um, you know, I've, I've loved watching them play. Like there's, you know, you, like we've talked about it, like, even though I played in Indiana, there's a strong connection there. Like I, I'm not really connected with many of those players, you know, sure. like, and I, you know, I know Woody and I, and I worked with Kenya and I've gotten to know Yana, you know, the, some of the staff and, and the people that, that help and, and all that. And you care about the program because it's what, what you did. Um, but there's nothing you can't, you can't, you know, it's hard to explain and, and replicate 
the connections when you work with somebody on a daily basis, chasing what the things that they're trying to chase. So obviously there's, there's still a really strong connection with those guys, um, you know, out there in LA and, and uh, you know, pulling for them and hope they, they have a hell of a tournament. Um, so I feel like I got, uh, I got two, two teams in this thing that, that I get a, I get a root for. What happens when they meet each other in the final four? Well, we'll have to worry about that when it gets there, but that'd be a hell of a, <laughs> it's a, hell of a problem to have, right? Yeah, I think we'd all be pretty, pretty happy with that. You know, it, you know, it, it's, it's this, that's what makes this time of year special, you know? And, and so, um, you know, to, to have that and, and uh, it'll be different watching it, you know, not, not being involved in the tournament, that part of it sucks. Um, but to, to be able to watch and, and cheer for, you know, a, a program that you worked, you worked with very closely, obviously. And then, you know, pull and cheer for uh, a team that you you were able to represent as way pretty cool. Yeah. Um, will you be able to get to any of the games? Do you have any plans to go? Will you go to the Final Four? Like, how does that all work as a as a coach? And obviously, you have ties to Mick. Will you try to go see them play in person? Well, I gotta, you know, I got some stuff I gotta take care of here. You know, <laughs> there's some responsibilities here. Um, but uh, if if those opportunities present themselves. Um, you know, yeah, then I'll, you know, I'll probably try to try to do something. Well, that is some coach speak bullshit. And I'm not, I don't normally give coach speak. I know, but you just did. If the opportunity should present itself for you to go, for you to buy a ticket and go to a game. What what is that? That's not a problem. I mean, I just, I'll go. Like, it's just, you know, we got to get, you know, some stuff taken care of here. I get that. I get that. You're just treating us like we're ESPN 1070 AM radio over here. (laughs) No, I, I have some I have some plans to, to meet up if some things fall in place the right way. <laughs> there we go. All so right. What I mean, in terms of looking forward to next season, I do wonder with with the brackets being announced, the Sunday selection celebrations going on, is that something you can you can use for the players who are going to return for you? Uh, is is there something teachable here about hey guys? This this could be us next year. Do you want them to to be watching these games and seeing yeah. what these other teams are doing? No, I want them to be watching. I want them to be angry they're not playing. I want them to imagine themselves, you know, uh, a part of those celebrations. Um, you know, the same thing that they've been doing growing up. You know, dreaming of playing in this tournament. We talked about it this year. Like, you know, there's 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 nothing like it. You know, I, I I hope that they all get the opportunity to experience it. And and that's the disappointing thing about falling short this year. Um, you know, and, and uh, it should continue to drive us throughout the off season and try to correct the things that we feel like went wrong for us and put ourselves in a better position to get that opportunity uh, a year from now, because there's nothing like chasing that opportunity. Like it's, you know, it's, you know, I, I, I told him, so I play, I've played and coached in a lot of games um, and I can't recall all of them, uh, but I can recall 23 of the ones I was a part of at the NCAA tournament. Mm. I mean, do you have a favorite memory? Uh, yeah. I mean, going going to Final Four, like that's cool. You know, going to Final Four. Or now, you back that up with you know watching a half court shot go in, like that sucks. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, going um, you know, winning winning that game and 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 going to Final Four. Um, you know, you you're gonna remember that. You know, but but you you can remember good and bad. You know, I can recall all twenty three of them, but mm. the. Uh, you know, all the other stuff, like it's just, it's a different deal. It's hard to explain. You know, it's, I think it's the greatest tournament, um, you know, in the world. 
So, Michael, I do want to ask you this. You're, you know, you, you are great in talking about the success of the team. You put it all on the players and what they were able to accomplish. But look, Ball State last year was 14 and 17. Okay. And they were nine and 10 in the conference. Wait, is that right? Does that make sense? 19 games in the conference? I think they had a COVID cancellation. Oh, okay. Got it. Uh, 2021, they were 10 and 13 and eight, nine in the conference. You also ranked pretty high in minutes continuity from last year, meaning you had a lot of guys that played on the team the last year and the year before. There was a lot of returners. You brought in some new guys, no doubt, but something changed on the team when you came in. The attitude changed, the effort, whatever it was. And you talked about, you know, implementing the way you want to play. How did you, is there anything concrete you can tell us about how do you get a group of guys that most of them weren't your guys that you recruited? How do you get them to forget the way they played before and change mentally and physically to play the style that you want to? How did you institute that in such a short time? Well, I, I think, you know, you, you got to have players that are willing to change. So, you know, like what, what you said, like we, you know, they what 14 and 17 a year ago. Um, the second and third leading scorer on the, on that team departed through the transfer portal. Um, and then basically the same guys, you know. Right. And to have the year that we had, like uh, a program and university can can change coaches. Um, but if you're gonna keep the guys, which I didn't I don't think it's fair to just you run guys off. Like I didn't, you know, I wasn't gonna take an opportunity for these guys to get an education um, and graduate from ball state because I didn't, I didn't recruit them. Right. That's not, that's not their fault. It's not those kids faults. So like, this is what I got and this, we got to figure out how to make it, make it work. Um, so the university made a change, but the, if the players in within the program aren't willing to change, then you're going to have another, you know, not as successful a year, but when you get a group of guys that that buy into it and are, are willing to make changes in in how they approach the game and uh, um, their behavior and accountability and work ethic and all those things, then you can have a year like we had. So you know, you, again, it's gotta it's, you got to give the credit to the the players because they're the ones that did it. They didn't fight it. You know, they could have fought it and could have had a tough year, and and um, you know, then you make changes after a year. But like they didn't fight it, um, and that's why it's so rewarding that they were able to enjoy the success that they had. You know, because they they did a lot of things like you guys, you know, you, you're out in L.A. Like, you know, like to, to see the crowds from game one grow um, yeah. at the end of the year was was special to see. You know, the, the first press conference we had, I think we had one student reporter uh, there. And at the end of the year, you got 12 media outlets there. Like, mm -hmm. you know, that, that stuff growing, um, you know, throughout the year, they're starting to sell Ball State gear in Indianapolis again. Like it's, you know, it, those things it takes, you know, and it takes everybody. It takes more than just you know, a basketball team, but, um, you know, I think ball state is, is, you know, has done a good job, um, throughout the year at, at handling the things that, that this team was able to, to accomplish and the things that go with it. And I, and, uh, you know, I believe we got people in place to, you know, take care, capture this momentum that we have, and hopefully we can continue to, to build on what we did this year. I want to circle back real quick to, here you have these players who committed to another coach. They're in your program. You're not going to run them off. You're also coming into your program with 
a kind of basketball you want to play. How do you find that balance between, you know, your philosophies, your, say, preconceived notions of how you would like your college basketball team to play, but then also looking at the roster you have and the strengths and weaknesses of those players and adapting your philosophy to your personnel? Well, I don't, I don't, I didn't adopt what I feel like contributes to winning. Like those are non-negotiables, but what you do adopt, like, you know, I'm, I may not offensively play the way that in my mind is picture perfect for this is my team. This is how I want to play or how we do things schematically on the defensive end, um, you know, because of, of personnel. And I think, you know, anytime with a coach, like you're going to change, like UCLA plays a little bit different this year than they did last year. Cause they have different pieces, you know, and mm-hmm. like you can't just, you know, you can't pound a, you know, a square nail into a round hole, like, you know, like, or how, whatever you say with that, it's kind of like jaw jacking. Yeah. But anyway, um, <laughs> you, know what I, you know what I mean? Like you, you gotta, you I thought you said it to, perfectly. Yeah. You gotta be able to, to adjust and, and adapt to those things. So, um, you know, whatever team you have, the personnel, the pieces that you have, you got to try to get the most out of that and, and maximize, um, you know, what you have. And I think, um, we did that for a majority of the season. I thought these guys um, gave us what they had and, and performed at a pretty high level. Did you ever have moments in your first year in practice or talking to the team in a meeting or at halftime where something you said came out of your mouth and you just had a moment where you're like, oh my God, I sound like Mick Cronin or <laughs> oh my God, that that was, oh my God, that was Coach Knight. Like, do, did you ever have any little moments where you're like, oh, I took, that just came out and that was clearly it's something. It's not I like you talk to your kids and you're like, oh my God, I sound like my mom and dad, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, I mean, I, I would, I would, I would probably guess that our guys uh, by the end of the year were tired of hearing about Jaime Jaquez and Tiger Campbell and, and, you know, Jalen Clark and those guys, um, because, right. you know, you, you go back to what you were, you were just with and, and you, you share. And, and I, I'm, I'm a firm believer in trying to relate basketball to uh, life and how, you know, so you tell a lot of stories and different things. And so, um, yeah, I'm sure there was a, a few moments like that, but it, I mean, that the, I remember being so excited for the first practice, like when I first got here, our first workout, and and I walk out of the office and I couldn't find the practice gym. I didn't know where it was, you know. <laughs> and and so I had to ask a student how I got to the Shondell practice facility. But um, you know, you got all this stuff. You're visualizing what you're going to say when you walk in, and I and hell, I couldn't even find the gym. So. <laughs> Um, look, I do want to uh, give shout outs to two people on your staff that have Indiana connections. One, of course, Meeksy. He's been a guest on our show a couple times. He had a health scare earlier in the year. Can you give us uh, one? How is Meeksy doing? He's still here. He's still (laughs) here. He's still Um, here. And and how is that to work with him? And then the other one is Bill Komar, who Indiana fans remember from the four years of Archie, you know, the organization was never a problem for Archie's teams. (laughs) Bill was responsible for that. So what, what was it like building a relationship with BC? If you could hit those two. Yeah. Meeks is doing great. Um, You know, yeah, he, he put in a, a hell of a scare, but like he's he's doing great, um, and you know we just had to watch him there for a little bit because you know he's not going to let up. He you know, and so you know, but he's he he did great all year. He got stronger as the year went because his health, you know, was better. Um, you know, he's just a great guy to have around. You know, instantly raises the the energy level in any room he walks into. Um, dynamic, 
uh, with the players, you know, got a really good balance of, uh, you know, where you can cut up with them and, and yet call them on their BS, you know, when needed. And, um, you know, just really, really good. I'm, I'm extremely happy with, um, you know, what he's done and contributed to our program uh, this year. Um, and then, then BC, like, like you said, when I was putting a staff together, I wanted everybody to have a connection to Indiana and like the state, not necessarily IU per se, but, but the state. And, um, you know, I wanted a guy in that position, um, that was more, um, administrative, you know, that in, in, in my first year could keep me organized, keep me on task, um, you know, control my calendar, like just, you know, all the bits and pieces, he's the liaison with academics. He's liaison um, upstairs with, you know, sports supervisor and different things and facilities. And, and um, you know, we, we had a lot of hiccups this year, but none of them fell under any of those categories. You know, he is, he is on top of that and very buttoned up and um, just, you know, exactly what I was looking for uh, out of that position. So, you know, really happy with him. And so, you know, we, and obviously, you know, you get those longer bus rides, you, watching games on your phone, talking, talking stuff about the big 10 and whatnot. And so a lot of, a lot of uh, IU discussions on our road trips. Trust me. There, there is no bus ride long enough to get through a Bill Comar story. Well, you gotta, you do have to tone them down a little bit. You know? <laughs> Just get to the, get to the part that, that you're looking for. But um, yeah, there was a great guy. Great lot, guy. A lot of, lot of fun, a lot of banner. Um, That's great. As 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 Bill Comar likes to say, some good fellowship he calls it fellowship. So oh, I like that. Yeah. It was well, good. to to take a did step a lot away. of jaw jacking, a lot of jaw yeah. jacking <laughs> on the bus uh, over different things, and you know, it like, builds fellowship. Well, you know, like just you know, I like I, I I like Chris Collins. I like those guys, and you know, but like you know, BC on one trip was trying to tell us how good northwestern is and, and they've yeah. had a great year i'm not taking that away if they see this like chris i apologize you've had a great year national coach of the year you know all the stuff but like you know we're sitting there and like jamal and are like like bc like it's gonna be a hard sell man you're talking <laughs> to two dudes it just like we never lost you know never lost never lost and i was like i never lost to penn state and malls i'm like mall you and malls like well they weren't even in the big 10 when i was there but, right but then he, like he gets me he's like i never lost to wisconsin you know, <laughs> so um, I said, BC, you're not going to win this argument. You just got to got to roll with it. But no, there's yep. a lot of that stuff talking back and forth, man. It's it's, it's a lot. That's of great. Both those guys around to take a step away from basketball just for a moment here. And you're all about basketball, head down, grinding it out, building your program. But has it, it been pretty great to be home? Do you feel that? Is it, have you had time to just appreciate you're back home now? Yeah, I think I felt that, you know, from from day one. I think I felt that, um, you know, when I got off the plane after we lost in the Sweet 16 and went to the state finals, uh, you know, the first night, you know, mm -hmm. I think, you know, you feel you feel that that part that part's been great. Like, I mean, it's it's uh, I, I, there's not a better place to there's not a better place to play or coach basketball uh, than in this state. You know, it's there's nothing better. Amen. Well, we got March Madness upon us. We had to talk to you because we we're excited to talk to you after your first year as head coach. We needed your insight for the Kent State game. Going to be texting you like crazy during that game. <laughs> and uh, and then, you know, hopefully next I'm not, time. Talk I'm, not, I'm not talking to you during IU games. Like you, I like I, you, you just, you, you're a different person. 
Just <laughs> a different person. <laughs> I I get a little maniacal. I get a little maniacal during a game. Yeah. What can I say? By the way, I told you this, but I got that way during your games this year, and I don't need it. I don't need <laughs> another team to give me angst and like a heart attack. And your well, games hey, this year, we can't joke about heart attack. You can't joke about heart attacks around this program anymore. After me, like here's what, like I'm, I got to get off, and I got to call doctor. Now it's, I got to call doctor Kyle Hornsby. Yeah, okay. yes. I got to call doctor Kyle Hornsby, and and uh, I got to go. I got to get looked at. I, you know, I'm not the healthiest of dudes. I don't live the healthiest of lifestyle. I got to go make sure everything is is uh, on the old up and up. So I don't have to tell you, but you've got a ton of people in this state, especially people that support and went to IU that have been following Ball State like it's their team this year and following you. We've got a lot of people telling us that they've gone to Ball State games, that they love what they're doing. On the message boards, you see people talking about, oh, big win for Ball State this week. Or what What about Ball State's game coming up? A lot of people looking out for you. A lot of former players that are really happy that you're back in the state running a program that does mean something to the state and should mean something to the state. And you in one year's time have done an absolutely remarkable job putting ball state back on the map. And you play an exciting brand of basketball. The guys play tough and uh, you know, they are our second favorite team now. So uh, we wish you nothing but the best for next season. Hopefully the transfer portal and recruiting trail are very fruitful for you. I'm sure that's going to be a lot of what you're dealing with. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Sounds good. It's all appreciated. Like, and we feel it. Like, trust me, we, we feel it. Um, you know, we've had a lot of, a lot of IU former IU players came up to some of our games. It was pretty cool to see. Um, and, and, and then reestablishing the connections with the ball state players. That was, you know, getting those former players. I know how important that is. And, and, um, you know, we did, we, we, we felt that we feel the excitement across the state for what we're trying to build. And, um, you know, we just, we got to take another step towards what we all want to accomplish here, uh, as we get started for next year. We'll so be you. rooting for you as you do coach and congratulations on a great first season in Muncie. All right. Appreciate it. That was a guest. That was a guest. Well, Ward, a jam-packed show for the NCAA tournament special. I mean, really jam-packed. We got two legends of Indiana basketball. One's a current head coach that played against the team that we're playing at against. We've got a former Big Ten Player of the Year. I mean, jam-packed episode of Hoosier Hysterics. Can you believe this is how we get to spend our Monday morning? I mean, it's not even morning anymore. We're getting into the afternoon. It's 11.57 a.m. We We got it in there. Yeah, we did. We got it in there. Uh, I'm nervous as hell for Friday. I'm excited as hell for Friday. I am excited as hell and not nervous at all for Saturday for the women's team, although I probably should be nervous because it's a tournament game, and who the hell knows? Yeah, this you, is it. You can't not be nervous before any tournament game. That's true, and I'm sure that when that game comes, because that one is second, I'm not as nervous for it. I want to get through Friday. I want to win Friday. And then I want to win Saturday, and then I want to win Sunday, and then you and I will definitely be going to see us play against Houston in the Sweet 16. Oh, for sure. Who who else is going to yell at Calvin Sampson? Yeah, but I'm not going to fucking Albany. Uh, No, we'll let the goons take care of that. I looked at what flights would be to just get to Albany. It is a disaster to get from L.A. to Albany. There are no direct flights. You have to connect through either, like, Florida or Atlanta. I mean, it's just such a pain. It's like you leave at 10 a.m. and you get there at 10 p.m. Yeah. No. I'm not well, into that. And look, us and 
first round games, not a great recent history. So let's nope. leave that in nope. the hand of the Eastern Seaboard Hoosiers. Yeah, I hope the goons and any other New York Hoosiers make their way out to the game. All right, follow us on Hoosiers. Uh, <laughs> follow us on Twitter at Hoosier Hysterics for the hysterics. No E, no I. But, but the sometimes, sometimes why? Ward, the next time we talk, we're going to be talking about two, actually three, maybe four NCAA tournament wins. We're going to be talking about the Sweet 16 for both programs. Boom. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear us scream and shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Everything I do, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know,